tip today in association with Slattery's of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Welcome along to Tip Today, 1800-938-007. That's our free phone number. won't cost you to make a call. And uh, Emma is looking after the programme today. You can text in WhatsApp 083-311-3311. You can email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Now, coming up on the show today, needless to say, uh, the big story. International protection applicants have spent their first night in Ross Gray and Ellie will report live from Racket Hall uh, in just a few moments uh, time. Uh, yesterday afternoon, as you're well aware at this point, a large number of Gardaí arrived outside of Racket Hall Hotel in Ross Gray to clear the way for international protection applicants resulting in scenes of commotion and activity outside of the hotel. <laughs> A very unfortunate and ugly scenes there yesterday and needless to say right across the newspapers today coverage of that. Now we sought an interview with the Gardaí but they were not in a position to facilitate that request. However, they did send a statement to us and let me bring that to you now. Uh, it says following consultation with relevant stakeholders uh, this morning, this is referring to yesterday, uh, the Gardaí put in uh, place an operation at an international protection accommodation centre in Ross Grey. Shortly before 12 midday, uniform members of a Garda Shiakana uh, supported by soft cap public order personnel, provided a cordon at the entrance to the IPAS uh, centre to facilitate access for transport carrying international protection applicants. During the course of the operation, one male was arrested under the Public Order Act. He has uh, subsequently been released and a file will be prepared for the Office of the Director of Public Prosecution. Uh, Guard of Presence remains at the IPAS Centre at this time. That's the st- statement from uh, the Gardaí. Uh, I know the Gardaí were also at pains um, to um, bring up the notion of misinformation and disinformation as well because they were aware of a suggestion that uh, OC spray was used during that operation and were assured that that is a completely uh, incorrect. Now, our reporter Alison Highland is at Racket Hall uh, this morning. She joins me now. Ali, good morning to you. Yeah, good morning, Fran. A very cold morning here outside Racket Hall, but protesters remain here and remain defiant this morning. But just to talk us through exactly what happened yesterday, I'm joined here by Councillor Shane Lee. Shane, talk to us about what happened yesterday, because when we spoke to you uh, on the show yesterday, we had received word, well, it was speculation at that stage that refugees would be arriving here at around midday. What happened then in, in those subsequent hours? Yes, good morning, Alison, and good morning to your listeners. And once again, I just want to thank Tip FM for the great publicity that they're giving the people of Ross Gray. So I just want to acknowledge that from the outset. Um, yesterday morning, we had a, a, a group of people, again, that was protesting here at the Racket Hall Hotel. And word started circulating within the community that the, um, there was a, a bus coming to Ross Gray. 
Subsequent of that, um, a large number of the community response um, of Angardia Shiakana had started gathering at the approach roads coming into town. So that set alarm bells ringing for um, the people of Ross Grey. And following on from that then, um, they, 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 they moved in, basically, and they basically blocked up the, 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 the street and the town and the approach roads coming to the Racket Hall Hotel. So that probably was handled probably wrong, if I could say, um, because... Your I, relationship with Gardy had been very good up until then, hadn't yes, it? Yes, well, that's what I was just about yeah. to say to you. Um, for the last number of days since this has broke, um, the local Garda station here and, and members of Gardy Ishiakana have been absolutely brilliant to the people that are here. And, and like that, the way around, that the people have been brilliant to the Gardaí. There hasn't been a crossword being said about anything. They've sat down, they've drank tea, they had coffee, they, they were with the people, and there was no need for that, like, you know, and I, I just genuinely feel that it was very heavy-handed, um, and it just sent out the very wrong message that that's not what I represent in this town. Um, you've genuine families and genuine people here that are genuinely concerned. And I just felt that that could have been handled differently. Um, you know, as I said this morning, like we all have a responsibility, I as an elected representative, but also the Gardaí have a responsibility to treat people fairly and be professional about the way to go about their business. Um, you know, and anybody that with a common sense approach, and unfortunately we live in a society today where common sense is not common. Um, like somebody could have came and had a soft word with the, with the people that were here. You know, I, I just want to say from the outset of this conversation with you here this morning that like the people that are sitting around here from morning, noon and night, um, they're not, they haven't been at protests before. Um, you know, they're, they're concerned citizens of the town. They're passionate about their town. And they feel that, you know, there was absolutely no need for that. But, you know, I honestly believe there was some sort of an agenda um, where they're trying to make a, a benchmark of the people of Ross Grey um, to send it out to the nation. Um, because it looks well this morning on national papers, a big image of what was going on. And I also want to say just about Tip FM, how good they've been and how honest they've been. Because there's a lot of interviews that's taken place here by national media for the last number of days. And stuff has been edited. You know, so obviously there's an agenda here. To edit it how now? Tell me. Well, the, the facts. The facts of what's been happening. The facts of what's been said. And, and the facts that there's no, you're coming out here, there's no one has stuff wrote down in front of their hands. This is all coming from the people's hearts. You know, so there's no agenda in relation to that. And I want to be very, very clear here this morning on that. Yeah. So, like, the people of Ross Grey have been very welcoming. You know, this was a, a hotel that had been fully functioning up to Thursday. You know, and, and to come in and remove that service and that amenity from the people of Ross Grey is absolutely horrifying. But you see, now what's happening is we're gone in a 360. It's like now where national media are coming in, they're trying to have us and them which that is not the case, yeah. because that's not the case. Why? Because we have welcomed everybody into the society. We had a gentleman here this morning that's in Rossgrave for the last 20 years. You know, prior to all of this direct provision and all this stuff coming into Ireland, like we have Lithuanian families, we have Polish families, we've, you know, and all working people in, this, in the town, families growing up in the town in their local schools, sports clubs, making contributions to society. So, like, I want to be very clear in saying that, you know, because the perception that's going out by certain platforms is saying that, oh, they're all racist down there and they're this and that. That's far from the truth. That's far Minister from the Rodrigo O'Gorman was speaking on Morning Ireland this morning and he made that comment again that there was some right activists, right wing activists infiltration in this group. Ye have been very um, firm from the beginning that this is a local protest being held by local people and anyone else is being turned away. That's still the case, isn't it? Absolutely. And, and to be honest about it, like I think that the minister himself is treating this um, very unprofessionally as a person in his position. Um, and there's nothing surprises me now because they're fighting again what has happened. Like you stand here for the last 10 or 15 minutes, breakfast being brought out again here this morning, people passing by honking their horns, people popping in to say hello. 
I can guarantee you they're absolutely underestimating and undermining the people what's going on here. They're, like It's far from the truth. And like the minister coming out saying things like that, that would just show the arrogance and the ignorance and the way they're going about treating people right across the country, but in this case, right in Ross Grey. He understood fully. We had had a deputation with himself and with the head of the department. It's not as if this is only the first rodeo that's going on with him. He fully knows the briefing. He fully understood what was going on in Ross Grey. So like, I reject that comment from him, and that's very, very unprofessional on his behalf. He also said this morning he'd no plans to come down and, and speak with the people here. Do you think that's a mistake on his part? Absolutely, 100%. He's gone running away from the problem. And, and like I hear him on the national media during the week where he's turning around and he's saying there's misinformation going out. Well, they're the ones that's creating the misinformation. And that's 100% facts. They're the ones misinformation. The information that's going out is being led by themselves. Mm. And also, just to say that, he's saying when he's canvassing his own constituency that he's correcting and, and letting people know exactly what's happening. Why not come as the responsibility, the person responsible for this, as the minister? What's the difference between the people in Ross Grey and the people in Dublin? Yeah. Come and explain what's going on. Why is he going? And if this is the right thing to do and they believe it's the right thing to do, and that's fine. Yeah. Why is everything being done so underhandedly? Yeah. You know, and that, that's really frustrating the people here. And that's the message that's come across very, very clear to me here for the last number of days. Shane, I'm going to come back to you, but I know Park is under pressure. So I'm going to go to Park. Park Ratigan is a dentist based in Ross Grey. And Park, a lot of the arguments over the last few days and the last few weeks has been uh, the pressure that more IPAs and refugees will put on services. As a dentist in Ross Grey, you're on the front line of health services in Ross Grey. What kind of pressure will it put on services? I think it doesn't really matter who the patient is. At the end of the day, we have responsibility to provide services for the people who come looking for our care. Over the, I've been a dentist in Ross Grey for 34 years now, and I have never seen the services available to, for children and for elder people so poorly resourced. We have the most minimal cover for medical card patients. There is no service provision whatsoever in Ross Grey for children. There are three schools in Ross Grey. The HSE is a statutory obligation to provide <coughs> dental services for children. Uh, if a child gets a toothache here in Racket Hall this morning, they have to go to Nina, Tullamore or Portleash to see a dentist. Uh, there are a vast number of children here and it simply isn't sustainable from a dental perspective to offer services based upon... It's also impossible to get dentists to come to work in Ross Grey because of the level of disadvantage that the town is suffering. And for just one second, can I say, there's a government-funded body called Pubble. And every few years, Pubble publish an index of disadvantage for the whole country. It's states-funded. The Department of Integration uses it for its resource. And the latest publication came out in November, less than two months ago. And there are, I think, eight levels of deprivation. And if you look at the map, it's easy to see. Ross Grey is second from the top. The whole town and its environs. So no consideration has clearly been given to the level of deprivation that the people who are currently living in Ross Grey are suffering. And this index is supposed to be used for funding. Ross Grey has been on this index at that level for as many of the reports as I can see back historically on the internet. So we really are suffering. Uh, as I say, I have no agenda as to who comes to live in Ross Grey. That is none of my business. My business is to provide a service that we can no longer provide.
Now, we heard Jackie Cahill speaking on the show on Friday and Minister Roderick O'Gorman this morning again saying that they would look at resources in the town and bring them in where they are needed. Have you any confidence of that will happen? I have a, a, a comment to make about that. The resources for dentistry in Ross Grey have been at rock bottom for the last three years. What has he been looking at? I mean, this index of deprivation, is par- he is party to it, and it was published in November. The previous one was published in 2016. He knows. He doesn't need to go look again. He knows. And if he doesn't know, he should know. And I know you're in dentistry, but in terms of GP services, what are those like in Ross Grey? I can't comment on that, because, but I do know from speaking to some GP friends of mine that patients are being imposed upon them when they are full already. That makes the service worse for everybody, both for the people that are coming to live in Ross Grey. In fact, if you chose to come and live in Ross Grey now, you would find it very, very difficult to find a GP who has the resources to take you on as a patient. Yeah. What would you say then to maybe government ministers or local TDs who are listening this morning and you're appealing for more resources, even just to to supplement what's needed here, let alone for for refugees and asylum seekers who are being brought in? Okay, well, let me give you an example. This dreadful situation in relation to the school dental services is being tackled differently in different health areas, even though we're all supposed to be equal in this country. I know that in some health areas, dentists are paid overtime and double time to come in and work on Sundays to clear the backlog of patients, children who are waiting to be assessed for dental uh, needs and dental services in national school. I have never, we don't even have a clinic. I haven't heard of a child being called for dental, for the school dental service in years. Well, perhaps we need to start asking the HSE and the Minister for Health as to why some areas can afford to pay dentists double time to come in and see children on Sundays. And we can't see, have a yeah. child seen seven days a week. Yeah. Mark, thank you so much for talking My to us. Pleasure. I know you're under pressure. Okay. Thanks thank so much. Um, Shane Lee, if we were looking at maybe the social media reaction to what happened here yesterday, has to be said, a lot of it very negative. Ross Gray branded racist, aggressive, unwelcoming. Do you think that, that that's unfair? Because what I think about is, is Racket Hall is quite unique in that this isn't a vacant or disused building. This was a focal point of the community, essentially, that has now been taken. Do you think people forget that aspect of it? Yes, absolutely, Alison. I think that that's exactly um, the way the people are thinking. And like it, that for people to turn around and say that the Ross Bay people are racist, obviously there's an agenda on their behalf in relation to that. Um, anybody that comes into this environment here, i.e. the Racket Hall in this situation, will tell you that's far from the truth. And I've just said earlier on in my interview with you that, like, prior to direct provision or international protection or any of this, people fl- fl- fleeing from war, um, that we had been integrating people into society from other parts of the world. Yeah. So, like, I just want to be very clear, that's not what I represent. Mm. That's not what we're about here today. And as I said, is we are playing our part in relation to facilitating that. The, 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 the thing that people are missing out on in the last number of days because it's been turned in a different direction by national media is... The Racket Hall Hotel, as I have said, has been fully functional. Yeah. You know, and what that has to offer and the spin that comes to the local business and the local economy from that, that is what people are speaking about here. Mm. But unfortunately, we have a spin going on here now that it's us and them and the racist stuff. And like, to be honest with you, I think that's coming nationally. But I think from me as a local representative and from listening to people on the ground, that racist car is now gone. Yeah. You know. We heard reports of a man being knocked unconscious yesterday. Is, is that correct? Yes, there was. I understood that. Now, I've only seen bits of clips of what went on. Um, I understood that that was the case and I understand there was a, another lady here that was knocked on the ground and trampled on as well so like look 
I don't appreciate that and I can't appreciate that and then look I understand what happened happened but I just think it was it's a bit heavy handed like there might be some people who'll say to you now they're already in here there's there's 17 already here now uh, what's the point of continuing this protest they're coming in regardless of what you want or what you think yes well look and that's fine if that's what, what, what people are thinking but as was the people of the community have said here through minus five and minus six yeah. that this site has not been left since this has broken on Thursday um, the word I've used is that people are still very passionate and the message I want to go out here today, today is that like as late as last night I wasn't here at that time but there was another meeting called a gathering for the people to see what's going to go on and that was probably the, big attendance, the biggest attendance that has happened to date you know so that's sending a very clear message How many were here for that? I understood there was up to two or three hundred people wow. that gathered last night and, and just to say like you know I suppose as, as politicians and people in society that you know we the, the people we represent the people and that's what people put us do is to represent them yeah. like and I've always said it like you know like we can't um, underestimate the, the power of the people and like the people have come out in power here yeah. and they're sending a very very clear message and you know they're saying they're not going down and they're not shying away and they're calling on the, they actually are calling on the minister to come and meet us while he's rejecting that I think someone needs to come out like we've seen protests in the past and I don't want to bring the farming community into this you know but they stand and they stand and they stand and eventually someone comes and talks yeah. but in this situation now we have a minister has come out I understand this this morning mm -hmm. and said it is not going to come and meet the people yeah. like that's very irresponsible of him to say such thing like that Now he is meeting with Councillor McSmith and with Jackie Cattle as well I think today what are you hoping do you think anything will be achieved from that and what's the message you're hoping they will bring to that uh, I'll be honest I don't want to turn this into politics but um, you know because I'm more responsible than that um, I've stood here with the people since Thursday I haven't seen seen either of the two individuals that you've mentioned um, you know and we've won the deputy going out on national airwaves making false accusations as to what's happening here you know, and I, I, I think that's absolutely horrifying because it's important that, like, even you here this morning, you see how welcome you are and what's happening around here. Like, to hear what's happening on the ground, you have to meet the people. Yeah. You know, and the message like that is very clear from the people. So I haven't seen either of the individuals. I don't know what's going on in the background in relation to them. But like as I said, it's very loud and clear here that, like, people have been saying to me that, you know, no matter what happens now, there's no turning this back you know, there's no turning this back because, like, we've lost an amenity in the town. Are they going to come and put in another hotel? You know, like, there's, there's nine beds now. Like, from a tourism perspective, we have a government that's saying that they're pumping money into tourism. And now what's happened is they removed an amenity from Ross Grey. Yeah. You know, so, like, it's sort of one step forward and five steps back in relation to that. And, I, and I'll be honest with you, they're saying it's a 12-month contract. But, like, the amenity is gone. Yeah. The service is gone. You know, like, you have the golf club up the road, like, they get a kick off this, as I said earlier on. You have the small business in town, they get a kick off of this. You know, it's the heart of any community. And to think that they've done that is just absolutely horrifying. Have there been any officials from the Department of Integration here at all to, to kind of speak to these people and help them integrate? Because I was in Ross Grey, I think it was November, and I spoke to local business people, and what they were saying is the biggest issue they have is refugees coming into their businesses and just taking things and not knowing or maybe admitting that they have to pay for anything so this is a huge issue for local businesses so have they been educated i suppose on what's acceptable and what's not acceptable my understanding is alison that somewhere along the way that people are coming and, and educating to what's happening within society but like you know i suppose i have a responsibility as as, as the local councillor yeah. to listen to the concerns of the people you know and and like 
it's a sad indictment to think that like elderly young people, especially women in this case, are saying that they're afraid to walk their own streets. Like, isn't that a sad indictment to think that people come and saying that to me, you know? And like, I have to take that fully on board in relation to what's being said to me. Um, like as late as yesterday, I just give one of the latest examples. I had a gentleman that rang me and said that his wife is downtown, sitting outside the local library, and got a knock on the window of her car, and it wasn't a local person, shall we say, and basically started intimidating the lady. And when she rang the local Garda station, she felt that she didn't get the service that she probably thought she should have got. But she's going following up and making a statement in relation to us this morning. Okay. So, like, you know, like, that's not a nice thing. Like, you know, these people are contributing to society. They're rearing families in society. And they're a part of society. But, like, you know, you have to respect the people. Like, and if some, like, it's just, when you come into a community, like, we welcome people into our community. So you have to give respect and dignity and, yeah. and be a part of community. You can't be going around carrying on that type of behaviour because it's sending out the real wrong message to the people of the town and the community. Yeah, absolutely. I might go over, there's a, a group gathering over here as well. I might just go over and uh, speak to them. Sorry, Shane, before I come back to you, before we finish up. Uh, gents, can I have a quick chat? You're all walking away from me. Could I get a quick word, actually? Um, in terms of what happened yesterday and the reaction that there's been, how are you feeling after what happened yesterday? Um, well, it's just the way the media... Uh, put it out on their uh, news bulletins and all that, I, I didn't think it, it had a fair reflection on what actually happened there, yeah. when the guards kind of uh, you know, started, started to push back first, and then to bring out women and children Do women you feel like children. it was cynical? Like, oh yeah, yeah, definitely, 100% yeah. yeah I think they knew what they were doing, so they can bring it back up to uh, Dublin, like you know, and say this is the way they're reacting down there and using heavy force against uh, the Roscoe people then you know, you're after catching me on the hop there now. But in terms of local support, then obviously looking around here today, I mean, you still have huge local support. I, I'm not sure anything that happened yesterday has really changed that. If anything, it's probably no, strengthened it. A lot of them vehicles passing there, blowing their horns yeah. all the time. I know uh, you can see their company names on them. They're not based in Ross Gray here. You know, it's not just Ross Gray. They haven't lost support. I'd say nationwide either. Like people, people are not fools. They they know what's going on around the place. You know. Yeah. When, when it comes to media and the way they they uh, they twist it to, to suit their narrative, like you know what I mean? That's that's the way I see it anyway. You know. Were you here yourself yesterday? No, I wasn't. I was here since Thursday, most most of the week, and I had to go back to work yesterday morning. And I'm sorry I wasn't here yeah. to support my uh, fellow Ross Gray people, yeah. like you know what I mean? What happens then? We'll say if another bus turns up here this morning or tomorrow morning, what's going to happen? Are we going to see similar I, I, scenes? I don't know. To be honest, they're yeah. they're talking obviously. No one's going to lay hands on anybody. Yeah. But we're just going to let let our voices be heard, you know. And uh, we'll see who turns up. It was women and children yesterday. We know why that was. We'll see what what, what went in there. Seventeen, seventeen people are in there at the moment. Yeah. And uh, we'll see whatever whatever the rest is when they come. What 150 odd. You still yet to come. Yeah, Roderick O'Gorman speaking this morning he said they're going ahead with that. It will still be 160. Yeah. There's no change to that. There's no change to that. No, and we'll see. We'll see what they are when they come. I, 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 I would be. I said 90 something percent sure that it won't be all women and children for the rest of the 100, 140, 50 odd that are still to come. So okay. you just don't trust what you're saying, really, is, no, is what people here are saying. No, no, yeah. no, no. I do not know. 100 percent no. It's sure. Look around. And another thing as well, it's not, it's not, it's you losing the racket hall. It's losing the racket hall, and it's we already have what we have in Ross Gray already. It's like 
people need to know that out in uh, Sean Ross Abbey, we have around 200 of them out there. Yeah. In uh, the old convent building, we have 300 and something, near 400. And they have the capacity to take in more there. They just haven't got them in there, yeah. And a lot of Main Street as well. And then, not main, yeah, not just Main Street, but as far out as Dunkern, as far, and back in here as far as Roscray, all the houses around here. And there's a video going around on TikTok. I don't know who's, um, who has it. Lord of Mercy and I'm there, Larry Green's old house. It's an absolute disgrace the way they have it. Uh, the whole, um, the, all the dampness in it and the, and the conditions they're living in. If that's not a money grab, by the people who are doing all this, bringing this to this town. We we know who they are, we won't name names, but there's two lads involved. One's a realtor and the other's a businessman and they're in it together. But is that the problem then, that it's being incentivised by the government? 100%. Yeah. Money from Europe. We're, 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 I know we are European, but we're no longer Irish. They're, they're telling us what we have to do and we are the dumping ground of Europe at the minute. Okay. Now, we weren't the only. The French had to put up with it for so long. The Italians are putting up with it for so long. The Germans and all that. But now it's coming off the, it's coming off the, the continent and it's coming across, not past one island and into another island. Even the English had to put up with it. And now, obviously, what we did, what we did on a few years ago with leaving Europe, it, they're pushing it on to the next uh, island out further down again. Okay. I, you know, that's the way I see it, isn't it? So. Thanks for talking to me no this bother. morning. Really appreciate it. Uh, so just to finish up then uh, with Councillor Shane Lee, then uh, Councillor Lee, just to finish up, we can hear the support from vehicles that are passing here in the road. We, we can see and feel the local support. This is a protest that isn't ending any day soon, is it? No, absolutely, Alison. The message has been coming across very clear to me. And as I said, as late as last night, probably the biggest gathering that has happened so far was last night. Yeah. So, like, the message coming to me that they're not stepping down, you know, and where it's going, I can honestly not tell you. But, like, the message is that it's not coming down. The support is there. Um, the support from outside of the town has been absolutely massive. Um, I've been inundated with calls and people supporting the people of the town for the last number of days. Um, so, like, it's a massive, massive issue that's not going to go away. And I, I just feel by the minister coming out and saying what he's doing, that's probably arrogating, arrogating people more. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I don't think that's the right approach, and I don't think that's the right way, and I don't think that's being responsible either. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 um, like, people are not just here for the fun. You know, they're trying to get a message. Um, it's a step too far. This yeah. is just, like, I honestly believe, and I think the Minister has basically come out yesterday and said that he realises that, you know, what has happened. But, like, they've walked into this blindfolded, you know, and, and again, I go back to the point I make. Like, we've always been speaking, and the message we've been coming across about fairness and balance, and it's not fair and it's not balanced yeah. you know and, and that's 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 a big concern for me and just to make that point again that there is no right wing infiltration of the protest here or of the group here this is all local people yes and look listen if that's the case that happens like the local community are telling me that they won't be getting involved in that type of behaviour and unfortunately nobody can control that type of behaviour and my understanding is if that's the case that people are asking these people to leave yeah. you know so like this has got to do with the local people and the local community if anyone comes in and hijacks it I think they're being asked to be because that's not what we're about um, and I did say that to you earlier on this is genuine families and genuine people that are genuinely concerned yeah. so like there's no agenda in relation to that and what I've been advised was that they won't be getting involved in that type of behaviour Okay, thanks for taking the time for us not just today but throughout the week anyway we really appreciate it Councillor Shane Lee so Fran from a very chilly but very defiant racket hall in Ross Grades back to you in studio
Thanks very much indeed, uh, Ellie. That's her own Alison Highland there, live from Racket Hall, as she said, uh, 083 311 Now, I received an email from Deputy Jackie Cahill, and a uh, very respectful email, and I have no problem bringing it uh, to you. It says, Dear Fran, I'm writing today as I feel I need to clarify a point that arose during our conversation on Friday last in relation to policy on international protection. I stated that under the Geneva Convention, if a person presents themselves in Ireland in order to seek asylum, we're obliged to take that person in and assess their claim to asylum. You disagreed on that point, Fran, and said the Geneva Convention does not state as much. When somebody flees their country, they have the right to seek asylum or international protection in a safe country and must be at the border or in that country to do so. Ireland and many other countries signed the Geneva Convention. Uh, The international law that sets out the rights of those seeking protection and obligations of states to consider those applications. Now, uh, Jackie goes on to say that uh, the convention includes those being persecuted for reasons of race, religion, nationality, uh, membership of social groups, etc. And he says the core principle of the convention uh, asserts that a refugee should not be returned to a country where they face serious threats to their life or freedom. I stand over my comments on Friday on the show, Fran, and I believe it required addressing to clarify the matter today. And thank you very much indeed for that. However, I would like to point out just a couple of things. And, you know, I'm sure at this stage listeners don't want us getting into semantics, Jackie, but a couple of things. Um, The Geneva Convention on Refugees and that subsequent protocol entitled Refugees to international protection, more, most importantly to the right not to be returned to their home countries. Where that's concerned, you're correct. However, they define refugees in a very restrictive manner, thus excluding many categories of international migrants. And the definition implies that several qualifying conditions apply to be considered as a refugee. And they largely are well-founded fear of persecution. In other words, being at risk of harm is insufficient reason in the absence of discriminatory persecution. And also incapacity to enjoy the protection of one's own state from the persecution feared. But the most important two and a half lines in the Convention where our conversations are concerned is this. Each state is free to establish the conditions for granting asylum. Okay, that's that's very important. And also, the situation is reinforced by the fact that nobody is entitled to interpret the Geneva Convention authoritatively, unlike most other international human rights treaties. Okay. Now, my reading of that is that um, you're not entitled to hold up the Geneva Convention and say, we're behaving in this manner and we're doing this and we're doing that based on the Geneva Convention. So can we toss that out of the way right now and uh, just leave it aside because it's been brought up time and time again. I'm sure people out there are, are sick to death of semantics around this and that and the other thing. But that's my interpretation of it and you heard Jackie's so you can make up your own mind. We'll take a break back in a moment. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie uh, Welcome back to Tip Today and uh, back to Ross Gray and uh, to Justin. Justin, good morning to you. 
Good morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Good to talk to you today and thanks for for coming on with us. Um, You're coming at this discussion uh, as a business person, I suppose, Justin. You you run a taxi service, is that right? Well, I'm I'm, I'm coming at it as both, Fran. Listen, I'm a parent, I'm a citizen, and even if I wasn't a a small business person, I'd still be concerned. But yes, I'm coming at it from a few angles, I suppose, Fran, you know? Yeah, and in Ross Gray, you're telling me that your taxi business is pretty much gone at this point, is that well, is No, I, I wouldn't say it's gone, Fran. I, I, I would just say that uh, people are talking about the hotel, Fran, and, uh, you know, it's it's this conversation has turned into being about the occupiers of the hotel or who may or may not occupy the hotel. Yes, yes. But this protest, Fran, started not because of who may or may not occupy the hotel as such. It, it was as much about that, Fran, uh, it was as much about the loss of the hotel to the town as it was anything else, you know? And is that the biggie at the moment? Is that is that the big issue? Well, for well, people? there was two biggies here, Fran. I suppose in that initially, Fran, we were told we had 160 international protection applicants coming to male applicants coming to the racket hall. Okay. Yes. Now, whether that's true or false, Fran, we don't know. But that's the information we were given. Okay. Um, I think, uh, regardless what, where in the country, Fran, you would be if any community heard there was 160 single males coming into living in their community that have concerns. Mm. Okay, mm-hmm. but yes, friend. Back to the hotel. So we have a situation here, friend, where we have uh, maybe twenty or twenty-five uh, young girls and boys, eighteen, nineteen, twenty years of age, going through college, trying to well, work in part time to pay for their college or put their car on the road to get to college. That's gone, friend. Mm-hmm. These are people who might have been working at the hotel. Yes, Is that young what you people mean? working yeah. at the hotel, yeah. friend. Yeah, gone. You know, we we <laughs> we now, friend, have live in a town here. Okay. Yes. Where there's nine beds, friend, nine beds, only nine beds open to the public, to visitors or to tourists to this town. Nine beds. That's what we have. That's that's in a B and B or B and Bs. In that, a B and B, friend. Yeah, yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, and, and do you mean in terms then of developing, and there, there's lots of reasons why Rossgrave could be developed as a tourist destination. Yes. But you're saying uh, that without accommodation, Justin. Um, yes. We, we now have no... So we, we, we were a town, friend of two hotels. We well, One hotel on the main street, Grant's Hotel, is closed mm. down for 10 or 12 years. Yeah. And, well, I don't know. This The racket hall is now closed to the public, Fran. And, and is it ever going to reopen to the public is the question, you know? Or how is it? Is it going to end up like the Hazel Hotel in County Kildare, you know, uh, full of people uh, dilapidated for 20 years? Were you, know, were, you at the that, pro- that, were you at the protest yesterday, Justin? I... I was at the protest yesterday, yes. Fran, yes. Were, were you there when the bus arrives? I was. Yes. Can you describe your impression of that to me, of what, what happened? Uh, my impression, Fran, is really quite simple. Uh, there was a peaceful protest, Fran, uh, going on for four days and four nights, basically, or three nights and four days, whatever. It was going on since Thursday evening, Fran, okay? Um, I, I, yeah, this must be stated, I think, Fran, and made, and made quite clear. This this protest, friend, was in no way politicised, okay? So no one party came along and they were the leader or, you know, there was no leader as such, okay? We were just there as as, as concerned citizens and concerned parents, okay? Mm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't politicised in any way, friend. It was it was very peaceful, uh, very uh, community-driven. There was, a, there was a sense of community while people were there. Businesses from the town sent out food and firing so people were warm and, you know, it, it was all it was all good, friend. okay? Yeah. That changed, friend, when members of Ongarda Shiakana from outside of this town arrived. Mm. 
Okay, and the heavy hand of the law, Fran. And and what so, do you mean? So, because I know public order vans arrived. I think okay, about, so, about about fifty members of the soft yes, cap. Fifty, sixty um, members of the soft cap uh, armed response or whatever they're called. Right, well, they're not, they weren't armed. Not armed yeah, response. Yeah, uh, mm, uh, um, yeah the the riot police. Yes, maybe yeah, the words yeah, yeah, yeah. About fifty or sixty of these guys arrived, friend. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And basically, friends start pushing their way around. I'm supposed that's their job, friend. Okay, but this um, got very heavy, friend, and 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 very and uh, very tense, very quickly. Mm. Okay, so basically, friend, a bus arrived. We didn't know who was on the bus at this stage. Okay, we mm-hmm. hadn't a clue. We didn't know whether there was men, whether there was women, or whether there was children. Okay. Yes. Okay. This is a big statement to make, now, friend, and it's strong. But I'm going to say it anyway because this is what happened. As I said, friend, the protest had been peaceful until that point. Mm-hmm. Members of this uh, unit, friend, they provoked the situation, friend. Okay? They made the situation tense. They, well, what what, they, what they, do you mean they, they were, provoked the situation? Because were, I'm sure, okay, obviously, they would disagree was, with that, was, Justin. Was, but go well, on, I'm yeah. sure they would disagree, mm-hmm. friend, but they disagree with lots. Anyway, mm-hmm. the, okay, so basically, friend, there was, there was a wall of them, friend, mm-hmm. okay? There yeah. was a wall of us, okay? Yeah. Okay, and then they started pushing, Fran. Okay? Yes. And kicking people in the shins. And being very rough. Okay? Women included now. Women included, okay? Mm. <laughs> um, a woman then ends up on the ground, Fran. Mm. Okay? Between, you know, uh, us and them, say. And she can't be got up off the ground, Fran, okay? Because they stay pushing, and they stay pushing, and they stay pushing, and they won't stop. And there's punches being thrown, Fran. And, and, and just speaking, help me to understand now, they were trying to clear a way into the hotel. Is that is that what yes, they were doing? basically, Fran, yes. yes. They were trying to clear a way right. into the hotel. But you see, they, 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 they arrived with this bus, Fran. They didn't pull it into the hotel grounds, Fran. They stopped mm. the bus on the main road, okay? Yeah. yeah. They had their armed police in, stage, in, in, in place at this stage, Okay. Not the armed police, they're the right uh, police, yeah? Yes. At this stage. Public order police, yeah. Public order, yeah. yeah. Sorry, mm-hmm. friend, that's the yeah. one. Public yeah. order, yeah. They started pushing, friend, and forcing their way through, okay? Mm. As I said, kicking people in the shins. Uh, it wasn't nice or pleasant. There was, as I said, people punched. There was people pushed. There was a man literally choked, friend, unconscious. A man in his fifties. Right, but but you and see, I, a lady, I, I, a lady I, had fallen yeah. to the ground, friend. Right, but because I I didn't see that, Justin. It's very. You no, can imagine. You now, from see, my I point of view here, I have to say I didn't see that happening. No, so that's your opinion of what happened. Also, friend, this right. also, friend, has to be made clear because across um, social media and mainstream media, both last night and this morning, mm. there's one or two snippets of a video being used, friend. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And anybody from the outside that would look at this video would look at it and think that people were screaming at small children. Yes. Okay? But in my opinion, Fran, and not just my opinion, people who were there yesterday shared this opinion, this, Fran, was... A, it was basically... Like, so... so, so the, 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 the riot uh, cops, Fran, got out... Of the, were in situation, started pushing, moved people out of the way, okay? Mm. There was lots going on, Fran. Rumble, tumble, people on the ground, mm. people knocked out, okay? And... At that moment, Fran, they decided to take children off a bus and walk them through what was going on. Now, hold on there for a moment. Did anybody address the crowd and say, the people on this bus no, are women no, and no, children? I'm going to go back, Fran. This, this is where I was going, Fran. Okay. Let me say this and let me say it very clearly. Okay. okay? Very, very clearly. 
If a member of Angarda Shiyakona, Fran, yesterday morning, okay, had to approach anyone, okay, yeah. at that protest and say, lads, we have small children on this bus who have nowhere to live and we need to look after them, okay, we, Fran, would have stood back and allowed them children and their mothers off that bus and into the hotel. You have no okay? doubt about that. Uh, 100% friend, as true as my children are here this morning, that's what would have happened. Okay? But let me be very clear now, Fran. As I said, this convoy arrived up the road, Fran. The guards blocked the road and pulled the bus up. Before the bus arrived, Fran, we had asked many members of the guards what the story was, had they an opinion, or, you know, whatever. They wouldn't speak to us, Fran. Quite, they, 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 they literally... Just they refuse point blank to speak or answer to anybody. So you must remember, Fran, when this bus arrived, a bus with a tinted out windows, okay? We couldn't see who was on the bus, Fran. In, in everyone's head there, Fran, there was 160, you remember, uh, male migrants to arrive at this hotel. Okay? That was your understanding. The, oh, yes, before anyone emerged from the bus, Fran. Yes. We were of the understanding there was 160 male migrants going to this hotel. Mm. Now, there had been some talk, Fran, about families and children and stuff Friday, Saturday, over the weekend, but mm. uh, we weren't sure, Fran. No one could tell. Right. But again, Fran, this comes back to the lack of communication, right. Fran. What, was anybody appointed as a spokesperson to talk to the crowd? No, nobody was appointed as spokesperson, Fran, to talk to the crowd. Nobody so there was, was no mediation? There no, was... all, 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 all they done, Fran, was came in, gave orders and got heavy. That's what they done. And it got to a point, Fran, I've been at protests, Fran, up and down the years, and I've been involved in a scrap or two, Fran, here and there, whatever. I'm no criminal or anything, don't get me wrong, but, but I've never, ever, Fran, seen anything like this in this country before. Like, if, if, if the armed response unit, Fran, or, or the, the, the riot uh, unit went to Dublin a couple of weeks ago and treated the scumbags going around the place burning buses and shops, I'd understand the minister came out today, uh, Helen McEntee. She says the Gardaí, they have a job to do to keep people, including those seeking refuge no. in, our co in our community, safe. But, but Fran, uh, just let me finish this at this point Sorry, for a sec, Fran, Joseph. Uh, intimidation of any kind and the blocking of people from entering their accommodation no. is completely unacceptable. No. In yeah, other words, she's saying the Gardaí yesterday were I, just doing their job, Justin. Fran, I sit down with the minister this second, and she's a lot more educated than I am, OK? This second I'd sit down with her, and I, I would I would easily explain to her what happened and, 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 and how it happened, Fran. And she didn't know what the story is. As I said, Fran, this morning and last night, all over social media and all over the mainstream media, there's one or two clips of videos being used mm. to make it look like small children were being screamed at. That is not the case. So, the, the but, but there was the screaming. Crisis. So who were people screaming well, at I then? Tell you, like, they were screaming, Fran, because, the, as I said, the the the... the, 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 the the guards got heavy, Fran, okay, started pushing people around. Listen, Fran, there was a man unconscious, a man in his 50s, okay, unconscious. All he was trying to do was help a woman off the ground that they had knocked to the ground. They wouldn't let us get her off the ground, Fran. Two men went down to try to lift her up. One man ends up being put unconscious, and the other man ends up being pepper sprayed and arrested. And in one of the clips, Fran, the no, guards no, put can this I, man... Can I, a... can I just say to you that... We, we have a statement from the Gardaí and they're yeah. aware of that suggestion that spray was used. They are saying this is absolutely incorrect, Justin. That, that, what, what's incorrect? Pepper spray wasn't but used? That, that pepper spray was not used. Okay, well, 
I stand corrected on that front. Yeah. Okay. And, and it's very I, I important did, to have the detail of this. See, now. No, that's okay. I yeah. stand corrected. I didn't see pepper spray being used. I did see a man knocked out on the ground. Okay. Well, pepper okay, spray, according to the guardie, was not deployed at that's all. Okay. okay. I, I, I can't stand over a friend okay. and say it was. I seen it. I didn't. Okay. So I, I accept that totally. Okay. Um, totally. T- tell me about the fallout from this in terms of uh, relationship with the guardie going forward, all of that kind of thing. What? T- well, tell me about that. I, listen, listen, friend. I, I can't. I'm not going to speak. You know, outside of uh, my personal opinion or a whole pile. However, there was a sense last night in Ross Gray after, or uh, you know. Uh, not even last night, but yesterday evening in France, soon after what happened, happened that people weren't impressed, man. People, people couldn't believe that uh, those who are, are put in a position, France, to protect us were doing the very, very opposite. And their job is to protect everyone, France in the state, okay? And I understand them, friend, them protecting children if children needed to be protected. Mm. But again, I'm going to stress this, friend. It cannot be stressed enough. If, if, if someone from on Garda Shia friend, had to approach someone yesterday morning and say, lad, we have children and women on this bus, we're going to take them off and bring them into the hotel. We would have said, that's no problem, lad. There's zero problem. He bring them in. And it wouldn't have been a problem, friend. That's as true as and, I'm standing here, friend, at the door. And, it would and not have the, been a problem. The, the, but no one approached, friend. No one said anything. No one, uh, no one addressed anybody. No one said, put their hand up and said, I'm the boss. All we got was a couple of big sergeants standing on the road, older guys with a bit of experience, throwing shapes, telling lads to do this, do that, and do the other, and zero communication. And... The damage that it has done to Roscoe, I'm, I'm, the papers are here in front of me, Justin, and I mean, it's it's remarkable, the coverage, and a lot of people pointing to the protesters yeah. and saying what happened was very unfortunate, except yeah, they're, they're, just, they're yeah, using far more colourful language than that. I, I yeah, very, yeah, lots of language, friend, this morning. Listen, friend, I was on Twitter this morning for a while. Yeah, you know, you can go either side, uh, far right, far left, and, and you can, you know, yeah. the video... There's actually people on here today, and they're blaming me for this, actually, as well. Blaming so, you, yeah, friend? Yeah, they're blaming me for no, this. Well, Listen, Fran, as far as I'm concerned, there's no one to blame for any of this, Fran. Mm. Only the Minister for Justice and the Garda Commissioner, Drew Harris. That's who's to blame for this, Fran. The decision makers, you mean? The decision makers, Fran, and those making policies, deciding on policies, bad policies. This, again, Fran, is is, is not, Fran, again, I'm going to reiterate this again. This is not, Fran, about who may or may not be occupying that hotel. This is about the fact that we now don't have a hotel, okay? And we also don't have the services, Fran. So the government of this state are doing these children and women a disservice because when they need a doctor, there won't be one for them, Fran. And if there is a space for them, Fran, someone else right. is going to lose out. And, and Justin, will you clear up a couple of things quickly for me just before I head towards <sighs> news? Were there, as they call them nowadays, bad actors, were, were there people from far-right organisations oh, yes, stirring up you, trouble yesterday. Hoping, no, no, listen to me now, Fran, and I'm, again, this has to be made very, yeah, very clear. that's why I'm asking and, you, and Justin. people should remember here now, Fran, I'm in no way politically affiliated with any party, okay? okay. I don't regard myself far-right. I don't like regard myself far-left. Hmm. I'm just... Uh, uh, I do regard myself a Republican, Fran, and I, I, I don't mind saying that, okay? Hmm. Uh, but anything else is just a load of cod, okay? Hmm. 
Are you um, a member of Sinn Féin, Justin? I am not a member of Sinn Féin. Unfortunately, Fran, I was. I gave Sinn Féin 15 euro one time and gave a stint. Uh, 12 months I've been a member of Sinn Féin, but mm. no longer, Fran. Mm. I haven't been in seven or eight years, and I, 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 I can't ever see myself being a member of Sinn Féin again. Okay. Or any political party, okay. or any current political party. So, so least, to answer Fran. my question then about people, you know, <laughs> aggravating situations. And, oh, yeah, uh, oh, yeah. Let me address that, Fran. Yeah. So, okay, Fran. So, not until yesterday afternoon, Fran, after all these videos went, all over social media, okay? Was there any right-wing uh, um, people anywhere in the racket hall? They weren't, okay? Everyone that was there was local, right? Until yesterday afternoon, friend, when them videos started circulating, and then these guys started to arrive, okay? Yes. But we were wide to these lads, friend. You know what I mean? You can pick these lads out quite easily. Okay. Okay? And how were they dealt with, Justin? What? How were they dealt with? Well, I tell you, it was it was discreet enough, friend, and in fairness, friend, to... I'm going to go back to Angarda Shikana, friend. In fairness to uh, the, the uniformed guard that were there at the time, they were clued in as well, and a little bit of communication between uh, some members of the public and, and the guard. The boys were quickly swooped into a little circle and told to get lost, and they got lost. So they they were driven so, out. So yes. They were so out. when these videos, the video now, friend, all these videos all over social media of people shouting and roaring and screaming, there was no far right there at that time, friend. And the shouting and roaring and screaming, friend, was going on because. Uh, there was people being pushed, there was a man unconscious, there was women being pushed, there was young lads being arrested, and, and that's why the screaming and shouting was going on, friend. And so, as this so was are going you saying, on, friend, are you saying to me, because... Friend, please let me finish this. Yep. As this scuffle was going on, friend, and there's roaring and shouting and screaming happening, someone decides to take small children off a bus and walk them through the, the commotion, like. It's almost, friend, I, this is not... I, again, friend, this is a bit heavy, friend, but it, 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 it okay. almost... You could. It's like it was set up, friend. It just doesn't make and sense. Can I ask you Nobody something? And I right presume, I presume this children off that bus at yeah. that moment in time and, and walked them through what they'd done. And I presume this occurred to you as well. Why didn't they? I mean, if they wanted to force things through, why didn't they force the bus through? Yeah. In, in beside the, the hotel. Through, yes, why didn't they force the bus through? I don't the, know. The, the, I'm just wondering, do you know? This is here's what, friend. See, we were protesting at the main entrance, friend, okay? Yeah. Which is 30 foot wide, okay? Yes, I know but There's another well. entrance, yeah. friend, further down, yes. maybe 8 or 10 foot wide, mm. okay? Mm. So we didn't think they were going to use that entrance, but that's exactly what they've done, friend. That's exactly what they've done. But you, that's, a, that's the question, friend, needs to be asked. Why did they not drive the bus off the main road, okay, in the hotel entrance and to the door of the hotel? Mm. They could have done that, Fran. Or they could have easily, Fran, as I said already, approached somebody and said, lads, there's only women and children on this bus. Okay? Uh, and you think that would have diffused their everything? Uh, 100%, Fran. There was children there, Fran. My, uh, people from this town have had their children at this protest, Fran, for the last four days. This wasn't them. Um, there was no violence, Fran. This was... It was... It's just all, friend, this morning, I, I can't believe what's going on on the mainstream media and social mm. media. The way it's being perceived as far right this and people yes. were screaming and, at And children. it is working because I, 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 case, I, I was speaking, I was speaking yes. to a, a great friend of mine earlier on this morning and he was very much pro, the people of Ross Gray and their stance and all of that, but he said what he saw yesterday changed yes, his mind, see, the yes, notion that kids were, were being no, screamed at. No, I, no, I'm just talking about impression here and perception. Yeah, just, yeah. You know what I'm saying but to you? See, right? I tell you no, friend, we yeah. have recordings here of the video, friend, from the scene uh, as it started until the end, okay? Mm. And not until that video scene will people understand what happened. 
because it's been there's, there's a few videos circulating and they all look like as I said uh, there was pushing and shoving going on between the, uh, the guards and the people and uh, people were roaring and screaming at children that's not the case the roaring and screaming was being was going on before the children were taken off the bus and and then it, it even got worse Grant, because people actually realised shit there's children here watching this so they were kind of trying to tell other people to calm down yeah. and look there's children stop or whatever you know so that even it, added it, to the chaos. Is that is that what yes, you're saying? Yes, I would. Yeah. I would go as far as saying that, Fran. Yes, right. it added to the chaos. Justin, I don't know what adult Fran made a decision to take innocent children off a bus in the middle of what was going on, and what was going on, Fran, hadn't been caused by the people of Ross Gray. All right, Justin, it, I must the, I must leave it there, but we really appreciate your time today. And just finally, and very briefly, to me, Justin, if you would, you're not for turning on this, are you? Are Are you staying? Are the protesters staying? Um. Yes, but for some time, I would say, Fred, uh, okay. to be honest, Fred, I'm not sure how this is going to roll. Uh, we don't know. Okay. I don't know, at least. Listen, Fred, I'm not a leader here or anything. I didn't take any position to no, speak no, on no, behalf I, of anybody. No, you know? and, and we so, appreciate that. We appreciate I honestly, that. This I honestly don't opinions. know, Fred. I don't All know. Right. Justin, I must leave it there, but thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Good morning to you. News is on the way. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Welcome back to the second hour of Tip Today. Uh, 1800 007. The text and WhatsApp is 83 311 Listener says, uh, is Fran going to have digs at Sinn Féin while talking about government failures in communication. I hope he holds the same contempt for government parties like Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael. He never seems to, though. Asha, you know me, I'm completely pro Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael. I'm sure we're always saying that here on this programme, how wonderful they are, and they bring labour in there at times as well, and people before profit, and we just, you know, I mean, it's, it's all, we're all again Sinn Féin. That's what it is. Oh my, oh my, oh my. Now, one of uh, those who spoke on Saturday's protest in Ross Grey was Teresa Collins, and you know Teresa well from the We Are Still Here a group re- representing as survivors of mother and baby homes and Sean Ross in particular. And Teresa joins me now. Teresa, good morning to you. Good morning, friend. How are you? I'm very well, Teresa, and good to talk to you uh, today. Um, I heard some of what you had to say in Ross Grey. You honed in on the fact that you know, Ross Gray will be so short on accommodation and you have uh, your own personal situation to 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 make that clear to us, I suppose, Teresa. Yeah, friend, um, any of the foreigners, I'd say, any of the Americans, Canadians, any of the, say, comes in, travels in for the commemorations in September, usually stay at the Racket Hall Hotel Um this time now we have no place to stay in for the following September. I don't even know is there a commemoration going on. Um, and you you made the point uh, there's just a handful of B and B beds then in in the town, is that it? There is, and I mean there's one lady I don't know her name now, but I know she does a nine B and B and D. That does be taken up with us as well. Mm. So. Um, it's, it's, it's a sad occasion to say that people that always did commemorations now have the like of the Racket Hall, even for weddings and even for the Ross Grey people themselves. I mean, tourism is a big part of Ross Grey too. Now they have nowhere to go. Um, 
I mean, I'll stand with the people of Grey. We have been treated bad by the government. The government have overrode every one of us in getting this through. Because if you look at what I was looking at the news there Saturday night, we're putting up it's eighteen thousand and fifty per person that anyone puts up accommodation, say for the people coming in, um, is paid. So I mean. The hotels, anywhere they're putting them in now, they can put them in. But I think the government didn't allow, basically, for the amount of people coming in and didn't realise that the Irish people can't cope with it. I mean, they didn't get much taken up offers and people to put them into the houses. And I'd love to know how many of the council or how many of the government people offered houses to them, say, that I'd have accommodation or often go into their accommodation. You know, when they were offering the money there for all of us to do it on a weekly basis. You know, it's a good yeah. question to ask. And, uh, Teresa, you have a lot of experience of protest, standing up for the survivors yeah. of mother and baby homes and all of that. With all of that experience in mind, what are your thoughts on what's happening outside of Racket Hall? I'm behind the Raspberry people 100%. So I am behind them 100%. Um, we have to stand up. We have to start speaking. It's going to happen in every parish, every nook and cranny in Ireland. I mean, Matthew McGrath gave the figures there, I think about 12, ten to 12,000 on a yearly basis coming in. Now, again, I don't get me wrong. I know they need places. I know they need accommodation and so forth. But when you haven't got the facilities to go with that, how can you put them? And I'll be honest, Fran, I've said it to you before. I can see a civil war starting out over this because it's actually after putting the Irish people against each other. It's after putting the likes of me, the likes of the people who would be refugee and welcoming, and the likes of me who sees the hard side of it, who's done nothing wrong, yet can't hold my commemorations as an Irish person and did it all my life. You know, you see that side of it. It's going to, I think it's going to spark definitely civil war in Ireland and I can see it down the line. I, and are you saying that we can expect more of what we saw yesterday around the country? Is that is that is that? A hundred percent, I'd say, Fran. Absolutely 100%. Because, look, at Irish people have been more than accommodating and we all know that we can't say we're not, we are. Now, I always said we should cap at the moment what we have in and deal with them, sort them out. And when they're sorted out maybe two or three years down the line, then allow for more to come on. But at the moment, we haven't got it. We just haven't got it. We haven't got it for our own, let alone, um, you know, immigrants in and I'd say they must feel it too because they are human after all as well. Now I, I, but, I, I, I'm not sure if you have if you had a chance to have a look at the newspapers today Teresa but right across the newspapers there's a lot of critique about the people of Ross Grey and particularly people mentioning what happened with the children yesterday and the children crying and frightened and all of that as they made their way onto the premises what do you make of that? Well First of all, you cannot blame the people of Ross Grey. You can blame the government for putting the people of Ross Grey in that predicament. I mean, if they had to sit down, talk with them, if they had to interact with them. I mean, Ross Grey, I think, have an amount about 600 refugees in there as it is. Now, I'm only, I am not 100% sure on the figure. But there has been no communication down the line. And I can guarantee you no person in Ross Grey or no honest-to-God person wants to see a child crying or hurt. But yet 
they, seemingly, as far as I know, they were forced through the line. The guards forced their way through the line. I haven't seen the papers this morning. But believe you me, the people in Ross Grey are genuine, kind, good, honest people. And they wouldn't go to Outburnless to found a reason for it. And the reason is, they have now no hotel. They have no way of doing com- um, commemorations themselves, communions, weddings. All of them that was booked have been cancelled. You know, I mean, you don't blame the people to be angry with it. You know, they're only hotel and this is what you get. And the painting of the town as being full of, I don't know, full of full of people with hate in their hearts and full of people who were racist and fascist and all of that. I mean, these things tend to stick, Teresa. Do you, do, you know? They do, friend, but I will say now, and the way I'll put that, I didn't pay too much attention to the emigrants coming in until I seen the way it affected me with Sean Ross and the same way it affected me overdoing commemorations and now having no place to go. Now, I think a lot of it is when it happens on your own doorstep, you probably act a little different. That's being honest. So until the people actually comes into each area that they're affected with and comes in with certain criteria, then you might see the opposite side. That's the way I'm looking at it. I mean, I cannot now, in September, hold a commemoration. I had to go and tell all our people, nearly 2,500 people on my page, that, lads, I have no place to put you. There's no place for you to book. Now, it's not just, say, once a year. I I had a family coming over in March, the first time coming over. They couldn't make September, but they were coming to meet us in March. We'd usually go out and have a cup of coffee, have a lunch out in the record hall, break the ice with them, and then bring them into Sean Ross. Now, they can no longer do that. You know, I mean, people, when they see this going on, they are actually looking at it as, right, it's off the radar. We won't be bothering going there because there's no place to stay. That's part of the package. Ross Grey people are 100% perfect, and there's not one of them with a bad bone in their body. I can guarantee that. And, you know, I mean, I know that... I, I, I think you're a member of Sinn Féin, Teresa, aren't you? I am, yes. Yeah, and uh, I know you've worked closely with Martin over the years yeah. and stuff, and you've often spoken to me about that. What about Sinn Féin's stance on this, as at the risk of offending the listener who says, I'm going to have a go at Sinn Féin? Uh, I'm not. I'm just asking you your opinion on, on your party's stance on, on immigration. Well, I'll be honest, Fran, I wouldn't be in the position to answer that question now. You'd be better off getting the likes of Martin and who'll be more into mm. it in, in a higher authority than me. Mm. But Martin did go there to the streets and he did try his best to calm things down. He did talk and he did fair play to him. He did come up. Um, you know, they can't just throw it back at Sinn Féin. As I say, you have to look at the bigger picture on it and it's up to Sinn Féin to come out and let them stand up for themselves. I mean, I'm standing up for what I did with Sinn Féin and what Martin Brown did for me was fantastic with Sean Ross. And he has done behind a lot of people in Ross Grey as well. So I let the head leaders, as I said, the likes of Martin and the whole lot, they're the ones you can be asking that question to is the best way of putting it to your friend. All right, Teresa. Well, well answered. And look, thanks very much for coming on uh, with us friend, today, Teresa. Thank you so much. And listen, the people of Ross Grey, keep your chin up. Don't We know what you're like, and I think that's what matters. It's not what the, what the media thinks of you. Believe right. you me. Teresa, it's always good to talk to you. Thanks, Dot. Okay, Thank you. friend. Thank you, Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. bye, bye. Uh, Teresa Collins uh, speaking to us there. Let's go to Willie right now. Willie, good morning to you. 
Uh, I think we might have Willie online. Good morning, Willie. Good morning. Good morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Good to talk to you, Willie. Um, your thoughts on what's is, what's been happening in Ross Grey, Willie? Well, so look, I mean, Ross Grey is one town, ten, and, and it's today's flashpoint. But mm. it's going to be repeated over and over and over the Linton press of the country until the people who are making the decision take their heads out of their backsides on this. Because, and and I, I one issue first of all, friend, mm. people are coming out here and attacking the guards over it. Mm. That's unfair and it's wrong. A lot of those fellas are only young lads. They're in, they're in their first two or three years or four or five years, and they're being faced with an impossible situation. Mm. Now we can't have it both ways. We saw the riots in Dublin there a month ago, and I'm not saying this was going to be the equivalent of, but the mm. call went out. Why didn't the guards do this? Yes. Why didn't the guards do that? Why didn't they do it? The guards are a public order unit. You had a lad there on a minute ago and he's throwing out phrases like armed response and the heavy handed. And mm. That's not fair. And that's not fair to be labelling the guards like that. They have a job to do, public order, law and order. They can't allow a riot situation. And I, I, I did correct him on that, that it, it was a public order. Yeah, and, uh, and we get we get this rhetoric of people mm. talking about cops this and cops that. They've watched too many films. We have guards in this country. We don't have cops. They have a job to do. Ninety nine point nine percent of them do it to the best of their ability. And and this thing of vilifying the guards over this is wrong. Well, they were following look, orders yesterday, Willie. I mean, that's that's what what they were. That's exactly what, it. And they're, whether they're there we to agree or disagree, that's that's what they were doing. Yes, exactly. They're yeah. there to stop a situation escalating. That's mm. that's their that's why they're the only reason they're there. They're not there to run, you know, over people. They're there to stop a situation escalating. That's what they're there for. And that's wrong to be targeting the guards over this. But look, in the bigger picture, and Matty McGrath was on there yesterday or day before, and I don't often agree with Matty, and I've been critical of with you before on this, mm. but he hit the nail on the head, man. 30-something thousand NGOs in this country mm. are calling the shots on public policy. They're in a bubble. Every one of them, around 100, 150, 200 grand a year. You see them coming on there and it makes my blood boil. Oh, CEO of this, CEO of that, CEO of the other. They're self-appointed. They're on the board of this, that and the other and it's a small little click and a circle. They're all scratching each other's backs. They all went to the same schools and the same little cabal. You see the former politician who has lost their seat or retired from politics and lo and behold, six months later, he's on the news He's CEO of some hmm. charity, or, or NGO, whatever or it is, like, or yes. chairperson, hmm. or spokesman. And it's just a merry-go-round. And, and, and these the are government-funded, just for listeners, these are government-funded organisations. That is the crux of the matter, friend. They're on the hind tit of public money. That's the only reason they exist. It's a halfway house for people who wouldn't get a job in the real world or be able to keep it. And those are the people who are making the decision and leading policy. And I think... I think yeah, we need we need a sea change in attitude from political leaders that they need to recognise who put them there, and it's not NGOs, and they're listening to the wrong people. They're just listening to the wrong people and getting the wrong. Yeah, and and would you agree policy. with me, Willie? When I saw the images of yes, I, I had a sadness deep in me at the notion that we had to police a situation in a town in Tipperary in in that manner. Now, whether we Absolutely. agree or disagree with how it was, I just thought there was a profound sadness to it. I was sad about the kids there trying to get through mm -hmm. and they were caught up with the chaos and all of that. Mm -hmm. And for the people who have the best interests of the town at heart as well. I, I was sad right across the board. 
Absolutely, Fernand. I couldn't agree with you more. It was it was it was a sorry spectacle, the whole thing from start to finish. Look, there are there are elements latching on to it for for the publicity they're getting from. Yeah. There's no question about that. They wouldn't find Rossbury on a map. But suddenly they're all about Rossbury. Now, for the local people, you weddings I've been at weddings in the in Rackett Hall, I've been at mm-hmm. concerts and, 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 and comedy shows and this, that and the other. For the local people to lose the the local hotel, local centre of life is scandalous. There's enough vacant, derelict, convent brothers, con- you know, Linton Brett of the country. Mm-hmm. They should be brought into use. But the problem is you go and you try and refix re- 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 one of these, get it set up. Lo and behold, you'll have to have security on it twenty four seven because someone will burn it down. You know, it's it's we're in a cycle here, Fran. I think we're in a fairly vicious, a, a more vicious cycle the whole time. People go out. There are government officials go out trying to do the right thing. They're trying to look at a vacant hotel or an empty place or an empty building or whatever it is. And if it goes public, you get an element latching onto it, and they'll put out the mantra: "Oh, sure, there's, there's a hundred unvetted migrants, and they're all male, and they're all this, and they're all that." And that that goes around the community like wildfire. And all it takes is one header to sit fire. And, and and that's and the thing. And I, I heard Jackie Cahill making that point on um, on national radio yesterday, where he said that one guy was on the phone to him who was involved in a, a protest and uh, telling him that that was a, a distinct possibility. And I know the guards were elect, elected to, to that. Uh, Willie, um, did you think though that if somebody addressed the crowd yesterday when the boss arrived and said, "Look, lads, the yeah. the people on this bus, they're women and children." Like, if somebody said that before there was a kind of a push forward with, would that not have, I don't know, would that not have diluted the situation in some way? It, poss- it possibly would, friend, but we already had, we, we, the situation was already escalated and we had we had national politicians and local politicians. Did one of them seek to do that? Or did they just ratchet up the rhetoric about the whole thing? Hmm. I mean, wouldn't that no, have been a real positive from a politician to go there, put up their hands and say, lads, look, Mm. Here's mm. who's on this bus with the blacked out window. Here, here's who's yeah. there. Yeah. No, they got their publicity two or three days before, and they got their little social media stuff done, and that was as far as that got. You know, they could have showed a bit of leadership and said, "Right, I am who I am, and I'd like to meet the guards, or I'd like to see who's on the bus or what's on the bus. How can we make this happen? That's not going to turn into a, a circus. But did any of them do that, or any attempt to do that?" Maybe they did, but it didn't, wasn't very successful if it was. But they all got a they all got a go to get up on the back of the platform and mouth the rhetoric. Not in my backyard was basically the content of the rhetoric. Somewhere else, anywhere else, not here. And what about? And, I mean, and uh, this is what you started out to say to me, Willie. Are we going to see more of this in other towns? I'd like. Is it? Is this what you? I I think we are, friend, because they won't stop at its source. And I've said this to you before. We should not be letting anybody out of the airport if they have no documentation. This should be. I don't care whether you have to fence off. And I know it's not a pretty image. I don't care if you have to fence off 10 acres of the Phoenix Park with barbed wire fences and put tents in it. You're going no farther. That's as far as you're getting into the country. If you arrive, we're not... We haven't the Berlin Wall, Fran, in this country. No one's climbing over the wall or tunnelling under it. There's no one swimming the Irish Sea are coming. They're coming on a boat, they're coming on a plane. They had a passport and documentation at the other end or they wouldn't have got on it. And until we wake up and take off the kid gloves 
and deal with it at source. Other countries have done it, and I've looked at the kind of money, we were looking at it last night actually just in conversation with a couple of lads, and the money that was, that's been paid out, the money that was paid out then to people coming in here was absolutely bananas. Mm. What did they think was going to happen except the tsunami? Like, it's 30, see, 40 I, I, quid they did, across they didn't, European countries. Yeah, they didn't think. 220, and, and, and I think they, they, they might have estimated that the war was only going to last a few weeks or at, at worst a couple of months and uh, we would have... <laughs> We would have then trundled on our merry way and Ukrainian people would go back home. But, I mean, obviously that isn't... Oh, look, friend, the people that think that about a war, I mean, they said that, did they learn anything from history? I, I, I mean, World War One started and the mantra was they'd be home by Christmas. It started in May or June and they'd be home by Christmas. Did you see the piece in the, in the Sunday Indo, uh, Leo Varadkar, with the, the open letter? Um I did. I, I didn't read the full thing, but I read yeah. tips of it. He said he was referring to, to immigration, legal and illegal. And he said, this is not something that should or can be stopped, but it is something that we need to manage better. Bullshit. Complete bullshit. How, I mean, they can't swim. They can't fly. They come on a boat. They come on a plane. And if you're not willing to just put the resources at source and deal with it at source, you know, that's just making excuses. And there's a competition there amongst the political class, almost demonstrate it's almost a competition to see who can be most liberal and who can be most woke and who can be most trendy about these things. And look, they're, they're elected to lead. So lead or just leave it to someone else at this stage. Would be my opinion. Where, where is it going to end, Willie? Because, <sighs> friend, we knew the answer to that. <laughs> it's a six million dollar question. But look at it. Yeah, you have you deal with problems at source, man, not after they've happened. And and we're not dealing with it at source. We're not stopping the vast numbers of undocumented was and true immigration and disappearing in some cases into the population are just here for years. I mean, we saw that case, and it's it's, it's an awful horrific case, but the Ashley Murphy case. Mm. Now they came from they came from a European country, an EU country. But 10, 15 years here, not one of them ever scratched their arse to contribute anything. A job, a tax, nothing. But on the hind tit of social welfare, and nobody caused it, no one wants to say anything about it, because they all want to traipse off to their EU meetings and meet their EU buddies and be the best spies in the room and get a slap on the back from everyone for being so liberal and so woke. And oh, geez, they, they drive you mad sometimes. They drive you mad. And and again, you you mentioned a conversation you had last night with with friends. The conversations you're having over the last few weeks and months is that the general thinking of of your friends and in your circle? Look, it would be mixed. It would be mixed. There are some, yeah, some very definitely, and and they're becoming. And it's a, it's a, a throwaway comment I heard from a guy some years ago, and not maybe some years ago, but he said people are becoming radicalized almost unknown to themselves because of the constant drip, drip, drip nature of maybe the misinformation that they're getting or the reality on the ground of, of they see nothing being done with obvious situations. And they're becoming angrier and they're becoming more... Like, we've, seen, we've seen what this radicalization has led to in Europe and, and, and America and other countries, and it's not pretty. It's not really. The, 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 rise, the rise of the right is what, is what you're the talking rise, about. The rise so. of every kind of extremist. It's not just the right, yeah. but the, every kind of an extreme vice is, is on the rise. I mean, we see it across Europe. We see it in America. We've seen the back of Trump, and lo and behold, like 
likely we'll see more of him. You know, it's uh, and again, extremism and, and again, extremism. Im- immigration is at the heart of all of that. Isn't yeah, it right, right across yeah. the, the, the globe where it's concerned. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's important to point out, and I know the government pointed out all the time, but it's worth repeating again, many people coming from other countries in here, we value hugely, you know, in our hospitality, uh, in our hospitals, in our, you know. I, I have made that point to you before. You have indeed. I mean, you have indeed. We, we would not have a hotel open, we would not have a, a nursing home open, any kind of food processing. Yeah. When was the last time you were in a hotel or a restaurant and you weren't served by maybe three quarters of the people who were foreign from yeah. foreign countries that worked at the place? Yeah. We we well, that's the that's look, we have we have pathways for people who want to come into the country and work legitimately, legally, they have a visa, they establish who they are. There are pathways from people and it's no nationality is banned from coming in here if they go through the proper channels. But the crime that's out there in Europe of just transporting people willy-nilly across the continent, where we go, Ireland had 220 euros there of a social welfare and they take Ireland off the map. Willie, thanks for your time this morning and we appreciate you taking the call. Thanks very much indeed. Thank you. Good morning. Take care, friend. Bye-bye to you now. That's uh, Willie speaking to us this morning. We'll take a break. Back in just a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Gillian was at the protest in Ross Grey last night and joins me now. Good morning to you, Gillian. Uh, good morning, friend. Good to talk. Thank you for having me. You're, you're very welcome indeed. Did you go last night or were you there yesterday during the arrival of uh, the um, women and children from overseas? I was, I was there yesterday, Fran, and I was there last night for the public meeting. Very good. Can, um, I, can just, I ask you first? Uh, no, you yeah. you go on, Gillian. What were you going to um, say? To yeah. um, well, I just want to say the way um, Ross Gray is being portrayed yes. in the media yeah. is absolutely disgusting. The Tonight Show was absolutely heartbreaking to look at. Mm. But it hasn't deterred the Ross Grey people. We're still passionate about our town. And um, anybody that knows and has family in Ross Grey will know, by far, we are not racist. Now, just to explain what happened yesterday, mm. I got the call that the bus was coming. We made a human chain. And the human chain I was in was at the smaller gate, which is what's been shown on camera. Yes. Uh, uh, I was there, and there was no dialogue beforehand. We've seen the bus coming up the road, and as with the bus came up the road, the special forces, or whatever you like to call them, descended on us. Public, public with, order with, units. Three, the public, three order public order units, yes. Yes, yes. they yeah. descended on us without any warning. There was no dialogue, nothing. Did, did anybody at all, just for clarity, did anybody say at any point, well, look, lads, there's a bus coming, and in that bus are women and children. Did anybody say that? No. Um, you see, uh, Ross Gray has been fooled in the past, Fran, and this is this is where the mix-up is. Ross Gray has been told before that it's families that are coming in, it's families that are going here, it's families that are going there, when in truth it wasn't. Um, that wasn't the story, and this is what people were expecting, right. the same lies again. Now, nobody would have stopped those women and children going in, but the point I want to make here today, Fran, is it was the special, whatever you call them, the guys, the mm, hardy guys. Public, public order units. The public yeah. order units, yes. Mm-hmm. They pushed their way in. As this was being done, they brought those two families. Two families, Fran. I was there, I witnessed. A coloured family and an Asian family. They brought off that bus. Mm -hmm. The children looked terrified. 
None of us in Ross Gray wanted that. They need not have brought those children in. That was done for publicity. They then put them back on the bus and let the rest of the women and the children walk through. And the rest of them were brought back to the back of the hotel and disbanded from the bus in there. Now, why did they put hold, those Hold on now, Gillian. Explain that to me again. Some, some women and children came off the bus. Is that what you're saying to me? Women and children came off the bus. While R- the roughly how many? Bus, roughly how many? While, the, while those guys were pushing it forward, I will tell you exactly because I got to speak to those people. Okay. There was a lady with two children. Okay. There was an Asian man and woman with two children. Mm-hmm. That's all that got off that bus in the front of the hotel while those guys were pushing us back. I was pushed and my arm twisted. I wasn't resisting anything. We were in a human chain, as I said. They came at us with force. I was pushed up against the wall. And as I was pushed up against the wall, remember, they were pushing against those people coming off the bus. The Rossgrey people were not pushing those people. And the, and the screaming, and the screaming, the, the screaming that was going on, Gillian. Will you explain that to me? I'll explain the screaming that was going on. You could hear a lot of women there shouting, "The children, the children, the children!" This included the children that were brought off the bus. But what the media is not showing and what they're not being told is that there was women and children from Ross Gray in buggies that these people pushed back. Local women were local shouting kids. and scared. Local children and Women were scared for their children's safety. They did not take our safety into consideration. And another factor, Fran, that I'd like, another thing I'd like to bring up is they knew they were coming and they knew they were using force. There was no first responders. There was no ambulance. It was atrociously carried out. Now, this is the first time that that's really emerged, Gillian, that there were local mothers and their children there. Correct. In buggies, and, and children the, in buggies, the, the shouting toddlers. about the children, the children, was about both sets of children, the children who were it coming off the bus. about both sets of children. Myself, Fran, when I was pushed up against the wall and this fam- these families, these two families were taken off of the bus, I stood back and the people that I was pushing back away from those families that got off that bus were those um, guys from Dublin. It wasn't Ross Great people. It answers the God now. Hand in my heart, Frank. And this, uh, friend, this is right. what's going on. And, uh, and the, when you're the, talking the about guys from Dublin, and, and are you, are you talking? talking the, yeah. Sorry, Gillian. Yes. Yeah, I'm talking about those police that were brought down from Dublin. Yes. Okay. Yeah. T- tell me what you said though about people going back on the bus. Then what? Explain that to so me. Was, some of them were taken back onto the bus while the poor woman and her children. All I could see was that woman and her children being dragged through this crowd. It was atrocious. And the rest were put back on the bus. A lot of them didn't get off the bus. And when we tried to get down to the back of the hotel to see who was getting off the bus, we were we were stopped. We were pushed back again. I, you see, I, I don't understand this. Why didn't they just push the bus through with everybody on it? Why why did they try it, to... It, it, it because, Ren, what it's all about is there was a, um, a man there with the police and he had his own camera. And he was taking pictures. And this was done deliberately. This was made... We were, look, Ross Gray has been used as guinea pigs. They were told to come down there, take photos. They're going to look, we're going to go at them, we're going to go at them with force. When you go at anybody with force, you're forced to use self-defence. It's like a fight, fight or flight scenario takes place. And it was just, it was just carried out so... And, and I, I just hope 
I just hope this is not the sign of any peaceful protest that takes place in Ireland in the future, that this doesn't happen again. I hope Ross Gray is an example to how badly the government and the police, the guards, carried this out. It was absolutely atrocious. Now, there's local guards there that have been there with us since the beginning, lovely people, and I'm sure they don't want to be there. But to say that an order was made by the police, the guard commissioner, to come down there and to use force when there was absolutely no need for it whatsoever. And another thing, what, what the media are running away with, what happened yesterday and everything else, and what people are actually forgetting, and this is the point the Ross Grey people want to make, this was our last hotel in Ross Grey. There is now only, if tour, tourism, it's a, it's a tourist town, we have a castle, we have lovely, lovely scenery in Ross Grey, lovely places to go, but there's only nine beds for tourists. Nine beds, fam. The speculation is, Gillian, that Ross Gray is now a kind of a, it's a new starting line with a gauge on how protests are going to be handled in, in, in the future, you know, that... Isn't that sad? Yeah. Isn't that sad to say that people's freedom of speech has been taken away from them and a peaceful protest and if anybody that was on the ground and if the media were honest because they've been there since day one, they've seen it was a peaceful protest. They came, they drank coffee with us, they ate with us. Yeah. They've seen what was going on and then to be portrayed like this on the show last night was absolutely it was diabolical you, you, you've, you're feeling very strongly about that portrayal on, on, on very uh, very strong because it's unfair it's very very unfair and the people have braced that cold weather and I'll be honest with you see what you don't see on camera is we couldn't get the faces of those little children um, out of our heads and so while we were finished taking care of our own little kids and what they've seen and God knows that scared them uh, we then um, got together a lot of the women there and we said, look, is there any toys? We'll get some soft toys, some games, uh, jigsaws, things together like that, little books, and bring them to those children. And they were they will be dropped today to the Garda to bring into those children in Racket Hall. The refugee children have been taken very, very good care of. Myself personally um, have donated a lot of stuff and helped out and went to classes, um, went to their um, things that they had in the local library explaining all about their cultures and they were welcomed into the community, as will these little children and their parents. It's the underhanded way the government went about doing this with the hotel and the, and the owners of the hotel. This is what the issue is. And this is what uh, they're running away now with what happened yesterday and everything else. But the issue at hand is we now have no hotel. We have nine beds in a tourist town and it's just it's a joke. And can I just finally put it to you, Gillian, that if there was a mediator yesterday, if somebody stood up and explained, the buses here, in yes. that bus are women and children, would that have diffused the situation, do you think? So when that bus pulled up, if somebody had stepped off that bus and spoke to the crowd and said, look, there's women and children here. Can you please step aside? We need to let these women and children in. The children in this bus, we don't want them to be afraid. Of course, there was women and children there from Ross Gray with their children as well. And they didn't want their children seeing what they seen yesterday. So, of course, they would have been allowed in. Of course, they would. You've no doubt about that whatsoever? No doubt in my mind whatsoever. The Ross Gray people are not like that. And just because it's coming up on the screen in front of me here, Gillian, did you see any characters from outside of the area trying to make things worse and trying to aggravate? Yes. You did? Yes, yes, I did. Um, and they were now, they've got no hop from the Rossgrave people. Um, we didn't give in to them and a few of the local Rossgrave lads asked them to leave. And did they leave? Uh, they left, but they're kind of coming down in dribs and drabs, and they're having their little say, but they're quickly being hushed away. Uh, we don't we don't want any part of that. 
and we would urge those people to stop coming down to Racket Hall to the peaceful protests and whatever's going to take place in Rossbray in the future because that's not what we're about. Gillian, thanks very much for talking to me today. Thank oh, you. Oh, just one more. Uh, sorry, Frank. Yes, Gillian, one more of course thing. you can, yes. Yeah, um, we try to do this in the convent. Uh, We've done a protest there um, in, in August and we were invited up personally uh, with Jane Lee. We were invited up to uh, Minister O'Gorman's office Yes. and he made a promise to us that Ross Gray, he agrees, is full and that it would be packed after the convent. And here we are today with our hotel gone. So I'd like to hear his response to that. And how you've been represented by local representatives. How, how do you feel about that? Yes. Uh, well, I have to commend Shane Lee. I have to commend him. He's absolutely, and Matthew McGrath, absolutely fantastic. But there's a story going around now that another minister was told that um, we wanted to start a fire in Racket Hall Hotel, which is absolutely lies. Now, whether he got a phone call from some far-right gobshite trying to spin this off, and he took it to the media, which he should not have done. He's, he's portrayed Ross Gray now in a bad light. And he had no business doing that. And Manda was elected to do that to his own people. I think it's absolutely disgusting. He had no business running away with that story. And that's what the newspapers are running with today when it's the furthest from the truth. Gillian, thank you for your time this morning. Thank you. Good morning to you. Thank, Good morning thank to you. you. Bye-bye. That's uh, Gillian there live from Ross Gray this morning. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Kevin Ryan is a Tipperary man living in New York City and he joins me now from the Big Apple. Good morning to you, Kevin. Good morning, Fran. Yeah, I'm here in New York. Um First off, thanks for... I've listened to you for years. You do a great job. Oh, You're very you. fair about things. And especially on these issues now, this particular issue, and other issues, like... Because I do notice, like, there's a whole thing now going on in Dublin and the media talking down to the country people and all that. And even if I'm online and I make a comment, they go, oh, like, you're in America, you know, you've no business, stick to America, you know, and all that. Mm-hmm. No, I'm from Tipperary, and I go back, and, you know, my family's there, and my brothers and sisters... So, you know, and, and thanks for getting, letting me, you know, I made a comment on Tip FM and, and, and the, the lady contacted me. So, thank you. So, yeah, I, 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 it's worrying what's going on, you know, because, I mean, I'll be honest with you, Fran, like, when you live in New York City now, and most powerful city in the world, and media and all that, and you do see things, you, I, don't, I think you don't see back home. And, and I, there's a trend here, I don't like what's going on. But, um, and the way the government is handling this whole issue. Mm. And and from your perspective and what you're seeing there, because immigration is a huge issue, we saw the success of Donald Trump in, in Iowa, for example, Kevin. Um, where you are, for instance, is, is immigration a huge issue? Yeah, I um, mean, New York City now, like New York City has had 160 or 70,000. Now, we call them migrants and all that. Of course, when I came, you know, they would be called illegal aliens and all that. I came, I came to America, you follow all the rules, you get the police, the guards check you out and all mm. that. But, yeah, it's a big issue here. And I live in Harlem, Fran, and I yeah. notice, like, you know, ex-convicts and drug services and the homeless don't get the help here. And the, a lot of the migrants are not getting top hotels, and it creates a whole divide between people. But, um, yeah, no, I mean, the services aren't here for, you know, for the, for, the, for, the, for the people here. And I noticed that in Ireland, too. There's so many homeless as well, so... Yeah, it's, it's very interesting, Kevin, that what you're listing out there are the issues we've been listening to right throughout the morning, that, you know, the services are not put in place for to import so many extra people. 
Exactly. It's like as if, like, I mean, I mean, look, the people, the people in government and all that, Brian, you know, they're very smart people. They act like they're not sometimes. But they, anyone could have seen that, you know, with so many coming in, so many issues, you know, that this was bound to happen. It's been boiling up, I think, for the last year or two, right? I think you can see that. Mm-hmm. And I think what happened in yesterday in, in, in Ross Grey, where it came to a tipping point. But I also think where Ross Grey was very interesting in how it happened so quickly. There's other protests in other towns and it waits a while and there's, there's talks mm-hmm. and all that. And then Leo Varadkar says a week or two ago, oh, no, nobody has a right to stay who goes somewhere. And then all of a sudden then it comes out that, all oh, these men... And it looks like a setup, and I hear people on the ground saying that. And you know, and I, as I said, listen, I, I'd be a bit look, look, proud Tipperary family, grand uncles fought in the Civil War. My grandmother was a first cousin of Dinny Lacey. Mm. and this whole attitude of people talking. I don't, I don't like people talking down and looking down on Tipperary people. Like we were the ones who started, in my opinion, taking on the British and all that. And you know, it's it's a little bit of that divide coming on and, and, and they're, they're causing the divide among the people you know what I found particularly sad was you know the, the, well some obviously the people in government in the various departments felt a need for that style of policing uh, yesterday but it must have been a culture shock to you when you arrived in New York I mean you have armed police there you have uh, police dealing with all sorts of uh, situations and probably in a in uh, let, let's say it in an aggressive fashion because that's the nature of policing I suppose in uh, New York to see what happened then in Ross Grade did that sadden you Kevin? Oh, of course yeah I mean look I mean if I, I left Ireland 30 years I was 25 when I left and I never seen anything like that in our days, I mean, you know, you would see, you saw it in Northern Ireland with the RUC, like with the Catholics and stuff like that, that kind of heavy-handed mm. policing or something like that. So it, it, was, it was shocking. But um, I will say, though, we, I've been here now in 30 years, man, and I feel that like we're losing a lot of our freedoms here in this country, too. And, you know, I was there on September 11th in the Twin mm. Towers. I mean, I lost a friend, Martin Coughlin, from Kappa White. He passed away in the Towers. And we've, we've been losing our freedoms here, too, a little bit, I think, with all the new rules of patriots, stuff and that. And there's a big divide coming here, too. And, you know, you've seen it here, the left against the right. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, that's starting to happen in Ireland, too. But, um, you know, and we can become disillusioned with politics. And you're wondering what, what, what they're doing, these people. What, are, what do they think they're doing? And what, you know? do you think that we're heading down that road? Because already I can see a huge divide emerging in this country, Kevin. Are, you, are we heading down that road, you think? Well, I, I do. I, I, there's, 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 somebody seems to want it, in my opinion. I mean, I hate to say it, be like conspiracy theorists, but someone's supposed to. But I, will, I don't want to go on too much longer and take your time. But, friend, I will say, look, I mean, as far as the EU is concerned, look, when I was a kid growing up, everyone thinks the EU is brilliant, it's bringing in and giving us things. And then it changed over time. And I will quote, and I mean, you remind me now of Gay Byrne, who was very fair and a great man on the radio. And at the end of his life, he started to get very suspicious and sceptical about the European Union. You're aware of that? I'm not really, Kevin. No, I'm not. Yeah, pity yes, indeed. Yes. Is. No, Gay yeah. got very. And I'll read you a quote of his. Yeah. And it says, I feel like a disaster with giant EU. I think it was the demarcation point. I now, and now we are not in control of our own destiny. It's too late. But I feel very sorry for, my, for even my children, but, not, but my grandchildren, because I do sincerely believe we are heading for a totalitarian state of Europe. Wow. And nothing will stop them. Wow. And I think that was said about 10, 15 years ago. And that is coming very true now to me. And for someone like Gay Byrne to have said that, I mean, you're beyond reproach yes. of how 
he trusted the you know the country and looking and I always felt like he was like a father figure to you know and my mother listened to him every morning yeah. and for him to give that kind of warning and funny that you said you never heard it. I never heard it much until recently I was doing research and it was covered up so you know I, I I'm not happy there's no there's never any criticism allowed of Europe you know yes. and I don't want it to be United States of Europe. Yeah, and a lot of people would agree with you where that is concerned. I, I think it's it's um, also very much here is that there's a single narrative on everything, Kevin. You know, and it's the accepted narrative and it's the one you'll see repeated time and time again in various radio stations and newspapers. It, it, I'm not sure we have the proper platforms for conversation anymore or divided opinion. Yeah, but that's not the Irish way. The Irish way is always we'd, 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 we'd fight about everything. Absolutely. We'd talk about politics and everything. Absolutely. We'd, we'd, we'd do what we want, you know. Yeah. I mean, we'd all like, make a joke and all that. And I, you're right about that. Yeah, I noticed that too. But what, the one last thing I will say, Fran, and I won't say, but I will, is like the left versus right narrative is always pushing that. But let me tell you something, and I've investigated myself just online, is these far-right people. Mm. And I'm very suspicious of who's funding them because they seem to have the time to go all over Ireland and they're on Twitter and Facebook, and they're never banned, and they're promoting all this thing. And even now, as I listen to you, they're, they're trying to get into the protest mm. and make the people mm. look bad, you yeah. know? So, yeah. But having said that, you always hear the far right. But what about the far left? Mm. There's a whole far left crowd, and they're online. And the minute any little town or village protests or anything at all, they're immediately on Facebook and Twitter, and they're talking down to the country people like they're racist, and, that, and that's the far left people. So they're see, mm. And they play off each other. The far left and the far right are playing off each other. And then the politicians go, oh, the far right, that is. So they're using them as a foil. So people should get very suspicious it's very, it's of very interesting. And funding I, yeah, the I'm, far left and the far right. And I made that point recently, in fact. I mean, the extreme of the far right would be Hitler and fascism, and uh, the far left would be, be Stalin and communism. You know? so, like, Stalin and communism, Fran, and do you know how many Russians died in, under communism? Millions and millions million. and millions. Oh, my God. 16 million oh God, from yeah. famine. Interesting. And you never hear of the famine in the Ukraine, the Holmodor, where 6 to 8 million died. And a lot of the things, a lot of the things for the communists were covered up. I mean, look. But I mean, listen. The European Union, the people who run it are bureaucrats. They're not elected. You understand that? You understand that, right? At yeah. the very top. Yeah, for sure. You have sure, the yeah. you have the parliament, which they don't have any real power. And you know what that sounds like? It's like you know, it's it's it's, it's too much power in the hands of like bureaucrats. Well, they're all in Davos at the moment, and <laughs> some might say that's where the real <laughs> power is, Kevin. It was a delight to talk to you today, Kevin, and I wish you well for the new Thanks year. So much, thank Frank. you, thank you. Great, uh, bye thank bye you, and, and people like, good luck, all the best. Bye. Bye bye now, Kevin. That's a good Tipperary man there, Cashman, in fact, Kevin Ryan from the Big Apple this morning. News is coming up. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Uh, welcome along to the final hour of uh, Tip Today. If you want to speak to uh, Emma, it won't cost you. It's a free phone number. It's 1800 938 007. And that text and WhatsApp is 83 Now, if you want to email us at any time, we're always glad to hear from you. So that's tiptoday at tipfm.com. 
Legal discussion on tip today is brought to you in association with Lynch Solicitors Clan Mail on the web at lynchsolicitors.ie and at divorceinireland.com. And for the first time in 2024, John Lynch is with me. Good morning to you, John, and Happy, happy New Year. And happy, all of many happy returns. Can you still say Happy New Year at this stage of the. Yeah, yeah, why, why not? Why, why not? not? You keep saying it all year if you like. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to talk to us about resolutions and yes. New Year's resolutions. It normally takes us six months to get yeah. through all of them. Do you make them? I no, not really. Somebody I, I asked me. Stick to it. So. Yeah, somebody asked me. I I'm not. I'm. A, I'm. A, my daughter for Christmas. You know, on the Chris Kindle for Christmas Day, mm. she bought me. Uh, she's not listening, so I can. T- I can say this. <laughs> she bought me a Grinch outfit. <laughs> I wonder why. I wonder why. <laughs> Whereas on New Year, I'm. I'm. I'm very much of a. Uh, a New Year guy. I love closing the door on the previous year and thinking that maybe, just maybe, I might actually improve things in the following year. So, I, so I'm very much of a New Year's resolution guy. And do I sit down and make my resolutions? I do. Do I, you? I do. Yeah, I yeah. actually do. And I do. Well, I, you know, I, I, I don't know who said it, but it's a bit. It, it's it's kind of a cliched one, you know. If you don't have a target you're never going to hit it Mm. and I think that you know there's always opportunities but I think just January is is always a good time to sit down and say well well, do I have any targets at all for this year and if I do what is it and you get a certain sense of satisfaction if you actually manage to even come close to hitting the target. And are these work targets John? Oh any personal everything across the board health targets fitness targets um, business targets uh, relationship targets you name it under under all the headings pastime Whatever, hmm. so I, I, I do now. Admittedly, I pull out the same old ones all the time. Yes, I'm still trying to uh, learn French. Uh, so when I was when this year, I said uh, I've been learning French since I was in school. <laughs> At this time, I said I'm going to France, and I and when I was sitting down making my resolutions, I said to my wife, I said, look. F- this year, I am definitely going to uh, go to a language school for a week and uh, try and immerse myself and see if I can go past Duolingo, which is where I'm, I'm on my phone trying to learn it. So, oh, fair yeah, it's great, but, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, you're never going to do it if you don't sit down of course. and do it. But would you tick, <coughs> tick off at the end of the year then and say, well, look, you know, yeah. I achieved that. I would, I, I would. I would. I'm, okay. I'm big into uh, uh, checklists. Yes. I think there's a great satisfaction in, in a tick. <laughs> so yeah. so when you're talking about legal resolutions I think if you approach them the same way because after all a lot of what I'm talking about very few people would argue with you that you shouldn't do it so therefore if it's something that you should do why wouldn't you resolve to do it and if you don't resolve to do it you're never going to do it so the reality so is that like wills, power of attorney, yeah, all yeah, of these exactly. kind of things. Yeah. Well, like in every area of law, there's always things that you can resolve to do. So if you're talking about family law, for example, and it's a reality of life that there are difficulties within marriage that can end up in very, very acrimonious and very damaging disputes. So your New Year's resolution should be a positive one to deal with the reality of the breakup and try and deal with it in a civilised way. I mean, that's a resolution. Now, it's not necessarily one that you can... That's totally within your control. Mm, mm. But if you don't resolve to do it, you're certainly not going to go about achieving it. And, I mean, you know, 
with divorce and the way divorce has evolved in Ireland, you're now down to a two-year window for divorce. In other words, you know, if you're living separate and apart for two years, you can regularise it. So absolutely, why wouldn't you make the resolution to do that? Because if you have reached the point where it's irreconcilable and there is no chance of it re-establishing itself by way of a relationship, then your resolution should be to to regularise it. And dare I say it, the sooner Mm. you regularise it, the, the more likely it is that you get closure on it. And I've certainly found over the years that closure is a very important part of any dispute, whether it's litigation, maiden egg, any, anything. Mm. The fact that you close the door on it and say, I have, I have reached an end point mm. in this and I can move on. And uh, do you mean, John, that if it trundles on, it affects our emotional Correct. health and our mental Correct. health? Correct, yeah. yeah. It, it just gathers potential for damage, misunderstanding. I mean, again, we were I was talking to somebody the other day about, <clears throat> you know, we were talking about criminal trials and somebody asked me uh, my opinion on a, on, on a result of a criminal trial and I looked at it and I, I thought to myself, it is a really uh, fascinating arena, the whole area of courts and you and I have often talked about it and how to predict the outcome and certainly I couldn't have predicted the outcome of this particular trial because it was a jury trial and the jury went in a way that I wouldn't have expected them to go. They found the person guilty and I thought there wasn't sufficient evidence to prove it. But it raised... Um, an interesting thing about closure that even like and I thought maybe the person would appeal but on talking to the they said no even though the result was bad it's done it's done and in other words you're not sitting there wondering what's going to happen to what extent is it you know what I mean so that Mm. that uncertainty the unknown aspect of it so yes that's why I think resolutions are important I mean if you're looking at the area of wills and again, can I just say that you know it is always uh, difficult to persuade people to make wills. Actually, it's not difficult to persuade them to make them. It's difficult to get them to make it. Mm-hmm. And my resolution would be break it down. You know, like all resolutions, you're not going to become uh, a concert pianist. I certainly would never become a concert pianist over a period of time. You can only break it down and start in small parts. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, one of the things that I always say to people about wills is your resolution should be simply to ring your solicitor, make an appointment. Don't say my resolution is to make a will because that almost creates shudders with people. Yes, they yes, always yes. go, well, well, I'm not there yet. Yeah, yeah. And the reality of it, of course, is we never know when we're going so to be there. Make, make the appointment. Make anyway. the appointment. Yeah. Start yeah. by making the appointment. And the second one, as you know, that always comes up when I talk about wills is as much as it's going to cost. And can I just say that I've thought about that because I've often had a situation where I, I fudge it and I say, well, it could be this or it could be that and whatever. So now I've decided I've made a New Year's resolution. <laughs> right? I have made a New Year's resolution yes. on wills and my resolution is that if, if somebody wants to come in to me and talk to me about making a will, I'm quite happy to talk to them for a period of time to decide what kind of a will they, they'll make. Mm. And once I decide and once we decide on what kind of will they make, then we can agree the price. Right. So in other words, it's not going to cost Janton 
to come in and talk about it. Mm. It will cost you if you want to do it, obviously, mm. like everything else. But at least it gets over the hurdle of people feeling that for some reason there's an unknown factor there. You yes, know, what's yeah, the cost? Yeah, yeah. And the answer is, well, you'll know it, but at least when you right. know it, you can decide to do it or not to do it. So that's my New Year's right. resolution. And, and is that means. cost, does that depend on how, how complex Correct. The, the, the... It depends on, like, if you're looking at a will, you're talking about, is it a very straightforward will? And mm. uh, I, Mine I, would only cost a tenner, right? Correct. Yeah, I'd say so, yeah. <laughs> you probably only have a tenner. <laughs> How All the rest is tied up. Just because of what I'm wearing, you're saying. <laughs> but no, but the thing is that, um, yeah, I mean, the, the, yeah, but anyway, and again, I always mm. say, you know, are, what value do you put on making a proper will? Yes. I mean, there there isn't a figure. You can't throw a figure at it because I, you can certainly throw a figure at it if you make the wrong will and if it turns into a dispute. And what value can you put in doing no will at all and ending up with a whole lot of disgruntled people who thought you were going to look after them? Yeah. So there's all sorts of figures. But anyway, that's the end of my pitch on the on the on, on very that good. Side so if people want to talk to you about that, you're, 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 yeah, I'm quite you're, happy to talk to them. Um, uh, a former Norderly Q. <laughs> <laughs> well, the way, yeah. <laughs> oh, you're going to be sorry you did that. But anyway, what else have you got for us, John? Yeah, so an enduring power of attorney. Yeah. This is another tricky one in terms of selling it to people. And what I mean by that is that an enduring power of attorney is effectively something that might never happen, i.e. that it will only happen as in it will only come into effect if you lose capacity. Now, so a lot of people, a bit like Wills, even though I don't think anybody would argue with me about the fact that they're going to die at some stage. <laughs> That's one Like fact. Oscar Wilde, uh, uh, it's going to be different in my yeah, case. Yeah, it's going to be different. Yeah, but a lot of people can argue when the, whether or not they may or may not lose capacity. But the problem is that if you lose it and you don't have an enduring power of attorney, it's too late. So the reality of it is, it's a precaution. Mm. So when you're doing an enduring power of attorney, you're covering the possibility that at some stage in the future, you may not be able to make any decisions about your own personal welfare or about any of your assets or anything else. So it's, it's, it's a safety net that you're putting into place to cover that eventuality. And that's probably the best and most logical reason that you would do it. The problem with the jury powers of attorney, if problem is, the, is not too strong a word, is that they've changed the system for doing enduring powers of attorney and we're grappling with how to make it as cost efficient as possible because the amount of work that has to go into doing them now because they're done through a portal, you know, those this modern things, portals on websites, mm. they're done through portals. You've got to have an email address. You've got to have a public service n- uh, number. You've got to be able to log in through this, that. And a lot of people, a lot of people, don't have those facilities, course, yeah. so it, it has added a little. And we're 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 closed for the, we do a closed week every January, 
and we're closed this week. And one of the things we're looking at is how can we streamline this process to make, to make it cost efficient from a client's point of view and from our point of view, not have it as a as a loss leader in terms of the amount of time it will take you to do it. So we're working on that at the moment. Mm. We've and had, why is it so time consuming, John? Because again, my perception is I'd go into you and I'd say, here are my wishes. I yeah. want so-and-so to yeah. carry them out in the event that yeah. I don't have the capacity yeah. to do Which so. Is, why, why isn't that that simple? Well, exactly. Why isn't it that simple? Well, there's two types of... Well, first of all, for me to establish what exactly it is you as the donor, the person doing the enduring power of attorney, I've got to, to go through a whole lot of checks with you. I've got to check. Now, I know you well enough to be able to give you a tick on this particular box, but whether you have capacity or not. So I've got to be satisfied that you have capacity mm. to actually make the enduring power of attorney. I've then got to go down through who do you want as attorneys and whether they're, are they the right people to act as attorneys and what are their powers of attorney as attorney and what are they able to do on your behalf and are you aware of what they are and checkbox down through that I mean there's enough ticks on this form I can tell you and then I've haven't done that then I've got to tell you about who I've got to notify about this and I've got to tell you who all the notice parties are I've got to serve all the notice parties as in I've got to tell them all that this is in place I've got to get the attorneys into my office at the same time as the donor to sign up on all the paperwork I've got to discuss with you about their, that there that you can have attorneys you can have substitute attorneys I've got then got to discuss with you that if you have care decisions what care decisions do you want do you want any kind of reservations on those care decisions what exact care decisions might you not want the person to deal with do you have any particular preferences on your care decisions then I've got to go down and, and look at what kind of Authority? Do you want to give the attorneys? Do you want to give them joint attorney authority? Do you want to give them several authority? Do you want to give them joint authority on one or a number of decisions, or do you not? If you get in, so do you know? God. So like, there's a lot. There's a lot in it. And in terms of you informing the other people who are involved in this, do you inform them before there's a capacity issue? Yeah. Yeah. So pretty much immediately on somebody yeah, yeah, ma- making yeah, the yeah, yeah, decisions. Yeah. Which, wow, I which didn't raise, realize that. Which raises the whole spectre of if I have <clears throat> a number of children and I fall out with one of them and I don't want them to know that I've appointed the other two as attorneys, do I have to? And the answer is yes, you do under the Act. Now, there is, wow. there is a safeguard in that you can get on to the director of services and say, oh, I don't want to notify them for this reason. Can you, can you give me an absolution that I don't have to notify them, if you know what I mean? But you do have that complication. Right. But you also have the whole complication then of completing the forms on the website. So you have the whole technical side of it, actually completing each form. And then you have the situation where you've got approval, get, to get approval from a doctor or other qualified medical person to say that you've got capacity mm. and they've got to checklist, you've got a checklist that they've got the right capacity. Then you've got to talk to the attorneys and say, by the way, do you realise what your powers are and do you know that you've got a power to do this, this and this? So, for example, you might have to say to them, oh, by the way, you do know that there's limits on the kind of things you can do in terms of gifts. And so if you're the attorney for a donor who's lost capacity... 
there are limits on the power that you have or there aren't limits on the power that you have and you've got to explain all that to them. So, you know, there's, wow. there's, quite, a, there's quite a lot in it and the problem is to do it comprehensively. Yes. Like I've, I've, I've developed, and I was just talking about it just before I came out, I've shown uh, the team inside, I've said, look, there's a checklist that you've got to complete with the person mm. making the bar of attorney. But, but all the complexity is there to protect the person. Yes, is it, is, yes. Isn't that worth pointing whole, out? Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And done properly, it is an, it is an extremely valuable document because if you drill it down to the nitty-gritty of closing your eyes for a second and say, well, I no longer have capacity, but I open my eyes again and I've been asked the question, what would you do if in this situation or what would you do in that situation or what would you do with the family home or what would you do about living at home? In other words, done uh, comprehensively, you you would be covering a lot of scenarios. So it's it's an extremely valuable document yes. from a pra- and obviously going back to your very first question of well if it's a very straightforward thing you know like the will or oh, it's simple it's just mm. a simple will I mm. leave everything around, or it's a simple one I just give my daughter or my and my son all they can do whatever they like because they know me so well <clears throat> now if it is that kind of a document. And if it is that type of situation and you've gone through and you're satisfied that the client is very satisfied with that scenario, but you've got to be satisfied if you're signing off on it as an attorney, and I don't mean as an attorney attorney, I mean as a solicitor, mm. you've got to be satisfied that they do fully understand the limits that they've placed on it or haven't placed on the power. So at the end of the day, it is, you know, it's... if. And again, this is back to my other resolution because, again, I was looking at this and I was going, how can I deal with this? Because if, if somebody comes in from a casting point of view, how do you cast mm. it? Yeah. You, don't know, you don't know the extent of it. So, again, I've applied the same principle. You do a preliminary meeting, you see how complex it is. If it's a fairly straightforward one and you're quite satisfied, like if I take my own situation, myself and my sister were attorneys for my mum. And, you know... Like, as far as my mum was concerned, you know, now, if you were a total stranger and you came into her and said, now, Mary, are you satisfied that John can do this, this and this? She might look at you and go, what do you mean? You know, whatever John says is okay. Mm. And you say, well, no, 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 but I need you to understand that you're giving him this power. Do you know what I mean? But in in a situation where you're satisfied that the person is 100% comfortable, not that you can be 100% mm. satisfied, or but you check the boxes and you're quite happy. They're happy to give because you can give a general power, which means they do whatever, whatever, whatever you might do and you're satisfied that they understand all that. Or you can give a very specific power, drilling it down, going, well, actually, I, I want to stay in the house and under no circumstances do, do I want to be in a nursing home and that's my instruction to you uh, in terms of the family. Or you might say, well, I'm happy to go into a nursing home and if I do, you, you can sell the house. So you, you can drill it down. And if you're involved in a business, for example, and like you might say, well, I want... Johnny so and so to take over the business or whatever. So do you know what I mean? There's a there's a there's a raft of complexity in it, or it can be very simple. I am quite happy that my daughter uh, Sally it looks after all my care decisions, but my son Michael, who's an accountant or mm. one of those 
uh, you know, who knows his numbers or whatever. I'm not saying that the rest of us don't know our numbers, but you know what I mean? That he will look after all the business yes. side of things. Yeah. And you, and I don't need to say any more than that. Well, that's a very simple, straightforward, relatively right. and, straightforward... And you can run with that. And you could run with that, yeah. Yeah. Okay. You can run with that. So who should get this done? Who? Now, it sounds like a very simplistic... Everybody. Everybody. Yeah, at, everybody. At, at what age should Well, you at any age, because okay. when are you going to ever going to know that, that well, you might... Not. you're like not going to. Early onset dementia, yeah. you know... Involved in a road traffic accident, uh, involved in a fall, any any scenario, it's kind of, it's just you do it, put it into a, a safe, and mm. that's it. It'll only become relevant if you lose capacity. But if you do lose capacity, it's there and done, like the will. Right. Someday you're going to go into a box, and the will will kick in, and it's there and it's done. So, and by the way, one of the absolutes on all of this is. You should always, it's not an absolute, I do it once and that's the end of it. Circumstances could change and if they do, you change it. And that's that's one of the Mm. key things about wills and during powers of journey. If something changes, you change it. And and you've got to remember and bear that in mind because it's important. Be interesting. Uh, loads of conversations, I think, is going to will emerge this year year as well. I mean, the assisted dying conversation yes, is going to be big huge. One. The the well, I used to say referenda yeah. for for plural, but it seems yeah. to be referendums now. Yeah. But the, yeah. again, they're going yeah. to be very huge. divisive. Yeah, and, very divisive. You know, so, yeah. so there's an awful lot coming down the, the, oh, the, the tracks. Uh, well, there's a lot a lot down the tracks. Yeah. Never mind. But yeah, and they do as you say, they raise huge issues, and yeah. to try and have. A balanced discussion about it is is it can be very a difficult. forum for that. Yeah, yeah, it can be very yeah. difficult to do that. We as won't well. get into that. Forum. We won't indeed. <laughs> um, so we will have more on this oh, uh, next absolutely. time around. All right, uh, we'll try and finish before March. <laughs> <laughs> Great to see you, John. Thanks see very you. much indeed. We'll take a break. Back in a moment. <laughs> Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Now, you're welcome back. And uh, quite a lot of people on to us with uh, various different queries for uh, John Lynch. And what we'll do is we'll stack them up and we'll send them on to uh, John to have a look at them. And we'll either deal with them next time round or indeed uh, John will uh, deal with you uh, personally. Now, The Girl with Stars in Her Eyes by Eleanor O'Kelly Lynch is the second book following the lives of Doll Redmond and her family. It's uh, described as a life-affirming story about the fragility of family relationships, about love and hope and about how when the heart dreams deeply, magic can happen. I'm I'm delighted to say that Eleanor O'Kelly Lynch is with me in studio. Good morning to you, Eleanor. Morning, Fran. Thanks for having me. And it's lovely, lovely to see you indeed. Um, This is a follow-up, essentially, isn't it? Because we're back to the Redmond family as well. Will you just remind us about the previous book? I will, of course. We're back to the Redmond family. You're right, Fran. I wrote about them during, well, during lockdown I finished the book, I suppose. And it's about a family who are struggling. Um, and a lot of people can relate to that. Yeah. Um, we've got the dad, Dan, who's, I think, a little bit depressed, a little bit down, a little bit confused. He's being pursued by a beautiful girl, a woman in the bank uh, where he works. Um, the mother, uh, Sally, is overwhelmed um, and she's she's imploding, really, and doesn't even realise it. Um, we have the main character, I suppose, in the book is Dahl. She's 11 years old. She's got special knees, but she's in despair and her life 
is joyless and very limited and that is having an impact or ripple effect obviously on the parent's relationship, on the mother's mental health and indeed on her bigger sister Andy who's 15. Um, she's invisible as far as she's concerned in book one. Nobody sees her in the family. Because Doll has special needs and as you know yourself because you have a daughter with special That's needs right. that the spotlight is probably always on the child with special yes, needs. It and is. sometimes then the siblings can be transparent. In yes. Some way. And you absolutely said it, Fran, because many, many years ago, in fact, 31 years ago, when Lauren was born, a friend of mine who was a social worker actually said that to me. She said, often siblings get just sidelined completely, obviously, you know, accidentally, because the child has so many needs. And, and if the child does something good, it's like, oh, look, you know, for example, example mm. in the book look at doll look what she's doing oh my god oh this is terrible doll is sick the doll as you know andy says in the book the sister it's doll this doll yes, that yeah. where am i in all of this and then of course she meets the bad boy maybe or the boy Steve. from the wrong side of the track yes. so that sort of causes its own complications and that was book one so they were all sort of in a yes. bit of a whirl um and also in book one doll dreams deeply mm. about escaping her life as she said herself, um, I want out. Yes. Now, d- just to make clear, to she can't communicate. No, she right. can't speak. Yeah. Um, she can only have limited food. She's quite ill. She gets pneumonia. She gets lots of different infections. She's got stomach upsets. Um, she can walk yes. just about. Uh, very motor skills, not great. But in um, her imagination, like in her, Pegasus, she can take yes. flight. I we suppose. hear her thoughts. Obviously, yes. we don't hear her speaking. Yeah. We hear her thoughts. She wants to take flight and she believes in the angels and she believes in something out there, some magic that will bring her to through some portal into a better world. Mm. As she says herself, I've seen it on the telly. You know, there's magic carpets. There's all sorts of things out there, all sorts of magic. And then imagine this magic does happen. A doll arrives from Africa for her birthday and through and with that doll, Nanan, she is transported through that portal to another world where she becomes the person she could have been. The, she can the heroine. The heroine. Yes. And she's not there for fun and games, Fran. She's there to um, complete a mission. Yes. So it's all quite serious. The Council of Grandmothers sit her down and leave her know, you are not here just to have fun. But she finds herself there. She finds her courage. She she goes over hills and mountains. She meets friends. She's betrayed. She's danger. So the mission is all very much the hero's journey. And this idea, did this all come from the idea that your daughter, Lauren, might have this alternative universe herself? Is that, is that- Yeah, because, you know, you know, I read up about this and, you know, they do say that we live different versions mm. of ourselves, that we live in sort of alternative universes and that we all have, there's many Fran Currys, there's many Eleanor O'Kelly Lynch's, mm. that we live sort of simultaneously different lives. And I thought that was lovely idea because if, if our lives here... And most of our lives here are a lot more than tolerable, actually. They can be very mm. good. There's lots of joy in life. We, we get a lot out of life. Who You know, very few people want to leave their lives when the time yeah. comes. Um, but but in, for certain lives, you know, they're very blighted. They're very limited and very sad. There's a lot of grief. There's a lot of loss. 
like with this child mm. doll, she feels her future is the same as her past, is the same as her present, just flat and joyless. And um, the idea that if your life was like that here, that you could have another life somewhere else where you'd be having a ball... I love that idea. I love that idea yeah. too. My, my only issue with the book, and I found great sadness in this, mm. was that, and we, I'm, I'm going to be very careful and not be <laughs> spoiling this uh, story. Oh but yes, no spoilers. I, I, I don't think this was spoiled to say that when she takes off on her next flight, yes, she is looking at the possibility of not coming back. Yes. Now, it's funny that you bring up that, Fran, because you know something? When it came to writing the second book, I wrote it because I sort of missed the Redmonds. And you know, I really wrote it. I was so excited about Dahl's journey and what she achieved and the fun she had and how intuitive she was and how clever she was and how all her qualities had sort of come to the fore in this other life. And I thought, I cried myself when she came back into her body, Mm. um, which isn't really a spoiler because obviously Mm. it wouldn't be book Mm. two if she didn't. Um, But when I finished that book, I I really yearned, I did, to take her off again. I said, she needs to go back. And you know why I felt that? Because I said, if it was me and, and I was dull, and I was back in my couch and I couldn't really walk and I couldn't talk and I couldn't communicate and I had pains, I had aches and, and I was lonely and upset and I, I was doing my best as she had been advised. Yes. You know, cut through the skin of despair, the grandmother said. You know, cut through it. In life, we need to cut through our despair if we can mm. and find, you know, the custard underneath maybe. But um, she, she found it hard to do that. And I thought, well, if that was me, I'd... I want to go back. Yeah. And and if I went back, I think I might want to stay. To stay in, in, in this alternative. You, in this is, that, is that how you, you, you would describe it? Yes. Is it, so, uh, it's a, fan, a fantasy wouldn't really describe it, would it? Do you know, when, when, when we use the word fantasy, people then think of fantasy books. And it yeah, isn't really, yeah, it's not you know, that either. Not, yes, it's, yes. It's, it is really, an alternative yeah, universe. Yeah, it's just, no, it's kind of like a bit yes. of magic realism. It's, it's, I know it's not real, but, you know, to me, it's nearly real. Yes. Yeah, I, I, you know, somebody said, but she doesn't really actually physically go off, does she, when she swoops out the window there and heads off up over the rooftop. She doesn't actually go to that other world beyond the moon. Uh, it's just in her head, isn't it, Eleanor? And I thought, no, no she does she go. She does go, yeah. For me. Yes, of course, yeah. <laughs> so it's not Did just it take it? And, and this is the other thing that struck me, particularly when I was finishing it last night. Did this take a lot out of you? Because it's very emotional at times and it's very kind of... It's it's looking into your heart at times, isn't it? It is. I think the first book, I won't say it took something out of me, but I think for the first book, there was... I did cry at certain... Because, you know, the book is fiction. Yes. So it's not my autobiography. Yes, of course. Yes. But having said that, of course, it's rooted in my experience of being a mother with a child who has, you know, severe learning difficulties um, and who has been um, very sad in her life and mm. disengaged and sort of wrapped in her own little world. It is heartbreaking. So writing about it is obviously heartbreaking too. But book two, I felt, book two was for me a bit more hopeful, I suppose. Mm, yes. um, she was getting another stab at it. And who knows? She might go back again. And I, that idea of would she stay, a lot of people said, what well, would she say? Would she really leave her mum and dad and her family? And I thought if it was me, because I, I am... In a way, when she's off having her adventures and her challenges, 
I'm I'm literally next to her going, go on, you can do it. Um, and I think if I was her friend and she said, will I go back? I'd probably say to her, stay. Right. But we don't know, of course, until... Of course. Yes, of course, what happens. Of course, and <laughs> yeah. we won't be giving away any of that. <laughs> no. um, do you wish this extra dimension for Lauren? Do you, do you wish she had that? I do. Yes. Yes, I do. I don't know if I'd like to stay, though. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, I mean... Do you, I, I, I do wish yeah. that, yes. I, yeah. I wish that for everyone yeah. who, who struggles a lot. And do you lot. get any indication from your daughter that there may be something else there? Do you get any? Do you know, it's hard. Like, obviously, she doesn't communicate very well, say, with eye contact. Now, obviously, words, there's no words. Um, eye contact and that she is, 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 I won't say it's minimal. It's better than it used to be. Um, you know what she wants. But the idea of what is going on in her head, and I, I don't know. Mm. I wonder, what does she dream of? Yes, what do you like I, to I'm know? I'm fascinated. What does she dream of? Does she, does she dream of stories, you know? What is going on? But there's a lot going on in our heads yes. that, you know, and a lot going on within us that we haven't, we don't know. Because the fictional character, Doll, I mean, there is a lot going on in her head. And yes. in her head, she's extremely eloquent. And she, yes, yeah. yes, she is in her own way. Yeah. You see, she, she has a voice. Yes. Because, of course, if she didn't have a voice, Fran, I wouldn't be able to write the book. Do you yes, know what yeah, I mean? Because course, yeah. I think her voice is a strong voice. Yeah. I, she's she's a bit of a character. Yes. She's a bit of a rogue. She's got a great sense of humour and she's got a sort of, um, you know, a sort of a a wry look. You know, she, she sees she, through she people. She does indeed. And uh, I'll tell you what, oh God, I'm not spoiling. But anyway, the communion scene, I just found that so funny because she was looking at the others. <laughs> yes. And she, <laughs> she was very disparaging about herself, and you, yes. you know it was just. But she was saying about the the holy little girls with their ringlets. <laughs> the you know, butter wouldn't melt. <laughs> you know, angels with dirty faces. Yes. Of course, these are words from my own childhood in Dungarvan. The teachers yeah. used to say to us, "Oh, butter wouldn't melt," yeah. and you're just angels with dirty faces. Which I always thought I didn't understand what that meant. Wasn't it wasn't good anyway. Yeah. How much of you is in Sal in Sally? Uh, how much? I suppose there's bits of me in there. Yeah. There are bits of me in Sally. Sally's the mother, by the way, just for Sally's the mum. Yeah. And and Sally struggles. Sally's very anxious. And of course now she she is convinced that Dan is not being straight mm. with her and he's mm. withholding a secret. And she's right. Mm. Um but she's fearful of bringing it out into the... She's fearful of asking him because she doesn't know if he's mm. going to tell her the truth. And But that's very human. It is human. It is, uh, yeah. and, and then, you know, because there's so many complications with Dal mm. and indeed Andy, because all, you know, she's mm. still with the um, the bad boy, I call mm. him, but I think he's gorgeous. Mm. Um, but he's from the wrong side of the track. The parents don't approve. But, um, but there's, oh yes, there's more trouble with Andy. So nothing is going smoothly for these four people. Um, but yeah, there's bits of me, I think. There's bits of me, actually, Fran, in all the characters. Yeah, isn't that yeah, interesting? There are yeah. bits of me in all the characters. That's great. I, I said to you last time round, Eleanor, that I felt it was. I, I, I could see this being on TV or film because it's so visual. Do you, do you know what I mean? That's lovely to hear yeah. that, Fran. But, yeah. But no, it, a few people have said that yeah, to me, is and there I any, love that. Any talk of that? Or, you know? Oh, do you know anyone? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what? I, I would imagine. I mean, the very notion. I mean, you know, when I say about the book is about dreaming deeply and believing in dreams, like, I mean, it was a dream for me to write this book and then to come out and write a sequel. Like, that was a real dream. So dreams can happen. And maybe now I should start dreaming about so, a movie. Yeah. Or even 
a cartoon version or something because I do think it lends itself to sort of. Is there a possibility that, that there may be another book in the Redmonds? Or? Do you know what? Th- there is going to be one more. Right. Okay. <laughs> Are you already writing that? I've just started. Okay. Um, I've stopped and started a few times, but I have a sort of a plot written mm. and. Um, and I really don't know, like at the start of the book, I really don't know what's going to happen to Dahl. But it's, mm. I'm, I'm invested in seeing that she rests easy wherever she ends up, you know. Yes. And um, so so the third book, I, I think that will be, the third book will be it. But there'll be a lot of adventure in book three. Very yeah. good indeed. And you found it a bit easier to write book two, didn't I you? did. Yeah. Do yeah. you know why I think, Fran? Because the characters were already in my head mm. and in my pen. And the world of Almazova was created. Mm, mm. So I didn't have to do any of that. And as I say, being from Dungarvan originally, in in my head, the streets and the beach and the, the sea wall, that's Dungarvan. You know, Glen Garvin is actually Dungarvan. Um, maybe not the exact streetscape, but yes. I go, and Andy is probably me at 15, you know, sort of bits of her. So... Um, so when you write book two, that's all done for you. It's like the set is done. So it's not as difficult then to, you know, Very start from scratch. Indeed. Well, it's called The Girl With Stars In Her Eyes and it's by Eleanor O'Kelly Lynch. And I presume it's in all this, the shops at this point. It is. It? It's, um, I'm actually going in now to the Worm uh, bookshop book in Thurles. Yes. Mm. Um, it's in um, many Eastern stores. Mm-hmm. Um, it's on my website as well. Mm-hmm. So I can whiz it in the post yes. to and anybody. The, the website, the is, website is literally Eleanor O'Kelly Lynch. Mm. Okay. You know, Very and it's on easy. Amazon as well, yeah. and it's on Kindle. You know, yeah. so yeah, if yeah. if you want and to pick I it up, I would highly recommend. It's a gorgeous read. It's just a gorgeous read. Again, it's called The Girl with Stars in Her Eyes. Do you know what's interesting about it as well? Just from a personal point of view, is mm. um, Nan Nan. Yes. Um, I called my grandmother Nan Nan. Yeah. Some. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and I had never called heard anybody else really? do that before. I had never yeah. heard. It, you know. So. Yes. It's yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. You yeah. found a little bit of common ground I did, there. I so. Did, I yeah. did indeed. Congratulations, Eleanor. Good to see you today. Thanks. Thanks, thanks very, very much, much, Fran. Appreciate it. All right. We'll take a break. We're back with more in just a moment. Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Tip Today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Well, let's go back to the phone lines and Donal is there for us. Good morning to you, Donal. Good morning, friend. How are you? I'm very well indeed, and good to talk to you today. You've been following yep. what's going on in Ross Grey, Donald. What, what are I, your, uh, what I, are uh, your uh, thoughts, Donald? I thought the scenes I seen on the TV now, and I was at Ross Grey. Yeah. I thought they were disgraceful. From the point of view, there was no need for all them guards there last night. I don't believe anyway. But uh, friend, it, 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 the bigger picture in this, for the last couple of years now, everything that has gone wrong in this country, every single thing that has gone wrong. The government, opposition parties, apart from a few independents, are saying it's the people's fault. It's the far right. It's the far right. You question anything in this in this country today. You question the the pandemic. Was was that all done right? Uh, you question immigration. You question the HSE. You question any government policy, and you were put down as far right. It's it, it's absolutely disgraceful. And now they're coming out with this misinformation 
they, the government just want mm. to say it. It, yeah. it, like, it reminds me of when a government stands up and says that we're going to re-educate the people. What does that remind you of, Fran? Because it, it brings me back to a time where, like, North Korea and South Korea and, and communist Russia, where you had re-education camps. Well, it certainly smacks of, of 1984, the book. Uh, that's, that's Exactly. That's, ours was. Ours yeah. was. George Orwell, yeah. of course yeah. it does. Yeah. And, 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 and I watched the Tonight Show last night, like, and the attack on Matty McGrath was disgraceful. Like, I would consider myself a fairly conservative person, friend, mm. okay? Mm. Yeah. I, I, and I, I don't want to bring up the issue. I, I, I would be totally against abortion in all shapes and forms. Mm-hmm. But I accepted the referendum. I accepted yeah. the, the, vo- the, the voice of the people. The, democracy, the I suppose. The, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's democracy. Yeah. yeah. But, but that's gone. If you disagree with the likes of the Paul Murphys now and, and, the, and the Richard by Barrett's, and I believe that true socialism is evil. I, this is my belief. True socialism is communism. Under any, that, that's what I believe it is. But having said that, these people have a mandate, but they will not let anyone else have a say. Mm. And do you and, think, in general, there's a single narrative being put out there? And if you don't conform to that, you, you, you're, you're, exactly. you're pasted I, with some form of. Exactly. Of brand and this, thing, and, this yeah. single narrative is coming from Europe. And this year, you had a gentleman there from New York, he's dead right. The European Parliament have no power whatsoever, mm. it's the Commission. And nobody elected. I, I certainly elected no commissioner in Europe. Nobody elected him. They're well, we, we saw that with uh, Ursula von der Leyen uh, coming out yes. after the uh, attack on, on on Israel, but very much with you know saying yes. you know we're we're with Israel with everything without <laughs> making consultation <laughs> with anybody. Like, yes, nice. I'm delighted you brought our friend. I'm delighted you brought up the Israeli thing mm. because I remember the, the the invasion of Ukraine. Mm. Now. There's a difference between provoked and um, condone. Mm. Like, I don't condone the Russians invading Ukraine. Mm. But how dare politicians turn around and say that they weren't provoked? They were provoked. Mm. But that, that's a big difference. Like, like, if you were to insult me on the street, I don't have a right to hit you. Mm. But you can't say I wasn't provoked. And, and uh, what, like, what do you mean provoked? Are you talking about where NATO was concerned in coaching on... When, I there is no NATO has been pushing and pushing and pushing on Russia for for, for decades yes. now. Go back to when when the Soviet Union was humiliated by Ron and Reagan back in ninety two. I think NATO has been pushing ever since. Yeah. And, and and the other point I'd make, there was an agreement made in Ukraine back in two thousand and four, and that agreement was broke. Now people just because Russia is bad, doesn't make Ukraine good. Ukraine has banned eleven political parties. Mm. This, this is a fact. Ukraine has numerous Nazi battalions in its army. This is a fact. Ukraine has locked up opposition politicians. And Ukraine has banned Russian speaking in all its schools, in, in all its centres, everywhere. And corruption, this, corruption, and corruption is, is, is rife in Ukraine. Corruption is rife in Ukraine. But well, there's a we lot of people, in, including, including the Irish, who want to welcome them into the Union as quickly as possible. So, Well, I don't. I yeah. certainly do. Because I do not. Because before... They were invaded. You, it would be no problem to call the Ukrainian government Nazis. Mm. Now you cannot, but I will, and I don't mind saying it. And I, when I see people flying the, the Ukrainian flags over, like, like mm. the amount of people that's been killed in Ukraine, and the amount of people that's been killed in Gaza today, like. mm. and Ukraine abstained in a vote for have a ceasefire. Ukraine abstained in the vote in the UN to have a ceasefire in Gaza. Do you know, like. 
What are you making of everything, Donald? Do you think, has there been a sea change in global, has, globally over the last, what is it, Brian, five, I, I, six, I, I, seven Brian, years? I, I, I promise you, ten years ago, five years ago, I was in the centre, maybe centre-right. But people are being pushed now, and they're being pushed to the right, they're being pushed to the left, our, our national media, our national journalists are a disgrace. It's an absolute disgrace. I had I tried to go on the national radio station on numerous occasions. I showed it's been done between two o'clock and three o'clock on, on Radio One every day. Yeah. Oh, not allowed. Not a not a hope. Like the the, the elections in, in America. Right, Something I like there's, about there's yeah. nothing you're saying to me that's particularly incendiary. I mean, except giving but, an opinion, but, 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 you know. Is it, am I going to be allowed to do this in two years' time? With, with the hate bill, you mean, is that it? Yes, I don't know. But no. I, I'm just saying, like, I, I would challenge, I'm sure there is some Tipperary politician listening to this interview now. And I would challenge him or her to come on and say one thing that I said was a lie. I would challenge him. And you and were about you were about to say to me there about uh, about uh, Trump. Uh, are you making the I point? I was about to say about I, I about to say about Trump. Like I I like some things about Trump. I dislike other things about Trump. But you can't be like that no more. You either have like like I like Trump's policies on immigration. Mm. I detest his policies on Israel. Mm. But you see, you can't be like that no more. I like some things about Leo Varadkar. Other things I don't like. Mm. Now you have to be left, and you ha- or you have to be right. right. You're, being, you're being pushed into a Yeah, you position. have to go into the camp. Yes. Go into your camp and stay as you and, are. And can I therefore ask you, Donald, where yes. are you positioned now? Do you see yourself as uh, right, right well, wing? I, I, oh, I, see, I, I see myself more right than left, yes. but I still see myself centre-right. Like. Yes. Like, like, I tell you what, friend, it's as simple as this. I believe the far right, I believe the far left is just as dangerous. It's just as dangerous as the far right. I have no time for these thugs that was in Dublin. I have no time for these thugs that tried to infiltrate the, the good, decent people that was over in Ross Grey. And they are good, decent people. But I heard a deputy last night, and I heard Paul Murphy on the night show last night, calling them people, telling them that they should hang their heads in shames. Mothers who tried to look after their children, tried to rear their children, and he's saying that. I heard Aidan or Reardon comparing people like this to Alabama back in the civil rights days. Like, where are we going with it? Does it have to go to the end, Colin? And were you were you saddened, as I certainly was, to see that, you know, certain people figured that the only response yesterday was, you know, with the, 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 the police force out in force yesterday? Were you, were I, you saddened I, I, by that? I, I firmly believe yesterday, if some politician I'd come along there yesterday, or some person, yes. and said, listen, there's a bus coming here now, and there's no single males on this yes. bus. They're women and it's children. women and children. Yes. I believe that the vast majority of them people in Australia, 99%, apart from the, 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 the people that's coming in from outside Australia, and, and let it be said, every time you get a demonstration, they're coming in from the far right. They're also coming in from the far left. There are, and that, the, both groups have no business yeah. there. But I believe that the people from Ross Grey would have said, if you were told them there's women and children coming in here, they would have left them in. And I know that uh, the guard commissioner, but this is what we do in Ireland all the time. We just, because they messed up in Dublin, because they hadn't a clue what to do in Dublin, I watched the riots. I, I'm a former soldier myself, 
and I done riots. And believe me, one thing, even they hadn't enough policemen there. Like the shields were all open. There was no organisation whatsoever. And because they got cut out, now they're going to the far extreme. We're never going to let this happen again. So we're going to come down here. This is what's going on here, like. Donald, I must leave it there, but uh, I really yeah. appreciate you I, coming on with me today. I, 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 can I just say one more thing? Sure, sir? sure. I want to congratulate you 100% and your, and your radio station and other local radio stations because without you, people will have no voice in this country whatsoever. Thanks, Donald. Thank you. Thank you. You cannot depend on the national media. Thank you. Good good, good morning to you, Donald. Thank you. That's about it uh, for me for today. Uh, Emma produced Ali, looked after our content from Ross Gray today. Uh, Donald is on, uh, Donald Stephen indeed is on the way with the time, Donald. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Look after yourselves, won't you? Bye bye. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.